Knockback is brought to you by thousands of supporters on Patreon at patreon.com slash Stand. If you want to show your support for Knockback, as well as CLS's PlayStation podcast, Sacred Symbols, the eclectic interview series, Fireside Chats, and the YouTube gaming series, SideQuest, please consider going to Patreon and pledging for a monthly amount that makes the most sense for you. Your Patreon support doesn't only ensure that CLS continues to produce the content you love, like Knockback, but you can get cool perks, too, depending on your level of support. You can get early access to each episode of Fireside Chats, Sacred Symbols, and Knockback, totally ad-free. You can vote for show topics and provide feedback to be read on air. You can listen to exclusive podcasts only available to patrons, and much more. Your support is essential if Colin's Last Stand is to continue well into the future, so please consider showing some love. Again, that's patreon.com slash Stand. Thank you for your kindness, generosity, and support. Without you, CLS wouldn't exist. But enough of that. On to the show. Greetings and salutations. Welcome back to Knockback. My name is Colin Moriarty. I'm joined as always by my festive brother, Dagan Moriarty. Jingle bell, jingle bell, boo, boo, boo. Wait, Kyle, what's that? Oh. Holy cow, is it? Could it be? Is he here already? <laughs> it it's is. All, it's a little early. It's, it's only December early. 7th. Yeah. He's getting but- older and he has to start a little earlier than usual. <laughs> How tired is Santa Claus? Oh, my. I can't even imagine. Do you think that he hates, like, hates December? Like, as it gets closer and closer, he's got his slave elves making all his toys. <laughs> I think they hate. I think they hate it. I don't know about him. Right now, he's got his feet kicked up. He's having his hot cocoa. You know, everyone's pointing at Foxconn in China as manipulating their workers. But I want to know what's going on up there in the North Pole. I think personally. Santa has a piece of Foxconn. Yeah, well, he's Pretty definitely sure. taught him a thing or two about... <laughs> About how to push your labor to the maximum, Mike. <laughs> Dagan, welcome back. You're actually I'm in your house, so I'm welcoming myself to your That's house. That's okay. Welcome back. Welcome, welcome. And you know, it's been a while since I've been here. I was thinking about it. I think I was last year in April, right? Because you came wow. to California twice. Yeah. It might have been May, twice in a row, right? Something like that. Yeah, April or May. It might have been April. Wow, that's, that's a long time. Time is flying. Yeah, it is. This year's gone by, by pretty quick. 2018 it really is now you might be listening to this in 2018 you might not be but we're starting out this episode and I I don't know exactly what I'm gonna do here Dagan okay. I think I might actually we have one more episode as we're recording this of wave five where we're beginning wave six is recording now right and I think I might kind of throw this one in before the last episode of the last wave so that people can hear this in a timely fashion because this episode of knockback is all about our holiday memories our Ooh. Christmas memories I don't want to be super exclusive with Christmas of course if you celebrate Hanukkah. Yes. You might want to also listen to this episode or Kwanzaa. I've never, I don't think known anyone that celebrated Kwanzaa, but maybe I knew I one guy Yeah, in college. His name was Umi. He was a really cool guy. He might be the one who told me about Kwanzaa. This was probably, I was in college, so it was probably 94, maybe it was 95. And he taught, he's the one who taught me about it. I never knew. They have like an interesting, I don't know exactly what Kwanzaa celebrates, but I know that it's, they have like a candelabra type thing, just like Hanukkah. I, oh, think. I didn't know that. Okay. But anyway, regardless of what you celebrate, yes. Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, whatever other pagan rituals you might be, <laughs> you might be into. Whatever you like. Na- dancing around naked at Stonehenge, whatever the case might be. That's fine. Whatever weird shit you guys are into. I like it. We want to celebrate holiday memories. And Dagan, I got to tell you, where I don't know. I don't even know where my phone is. I'll have to find it in a minute. I have the Google Docs app now on my phone, but yeah. we have so many letters. Oh, I can't wait to hear from this. the audience. I I'm, love hearing this. And stuff. I'm wondering how we might want to steer this episode because we did an episode about what lunchtime and recess where we let the audience steer it and then we threw our anecdotes in because there was just so many submissions. That was a fun I wonder one. if we should do a similar thing this time to include everyone or if you want to kind of regale us and I'll regale you, etc. 
and then we'll go from there. What do you think? How do you think we should structure it? Think about it. You know what? I'll tell you what. Marinate on it for a minute. And I'm gonna introduce the new segment to this wave. Is that does that sound all right? It's Which funny. is a surprise for you because I don't. I never told you about. That was gonna I be, told you about this one yet. That was gonna be my next inquiry, and I intentionally didn't ask about it okay. because I wanted to see. You know, we have had popular hit segments <laughs> like "You're no the pressure. Worst." You're the worst. People liked "You're the Worst." They did. People liked "You're the Worst." They really did like "You're the Worst." That you, was it, last dad wave. jokes. Dad jokes. Yep. Etc. So what do we have for our? So here's the new segment that I'm thinking about to open our wave of shows this this being the sixth wave of knockback and i'm calling it truth or dare but truth (laughs) (laughs) now now let me think about how so is it truth or dare ellipsis but truth i like that that's not how i ever but i think we should have it like that yeah for sure that's that's better actually than the way i have it because i have a period (laughs) but comma truth well that's kind (laughs) of nice too that's very curt yeah, because obviously we can't do a dare thing. We do an audio podcast, so that probably wouldn't play out too well. So all I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you a question, Carl. Okay. You don't have to reverse it. Okay. I tried to keep them pretty. I mean, it's not that the questions aren't personal. As you know, people know you have a lot of fans and it gives you a little gives maybe people a little more insight into the into the man that is Colin Moriarty. And they're fun questions for the most part. For they the don't most, get too deep. Now, do you don't want me to turn it around on you? You said I don't have to turn it around. Is that <laughs> is that by design? You prefer, you prefer, is that what you'd prefer? You know what? I wasn't even really thinking of it. I don't think I would mind answering any of these questions, but let's see how it goes. OK, you could totally flip them on me if you want. Okay. That's totally fine. You shouldn't be you shouldn't be victimized by my segments every time. <laughs> <laughs> I like being victimized by your segments. Now let's let's get into it. All right. So I have about enough questions here for two waves. So let me pick one that we could start out with that kind of gets in the spirit of what this I want this segment to be. Okay, you know what? This is a fun one to start out start off with. Have you ever been turned on by a cartoon slash cartoon character? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Definitely. Tell me about that. I don't know that I can think. I mean, there's sexy anime chicks and, you know, some of these Disney princesses that you see over time, you know? Yeah. I had a big crush on Ariel when I was younger. You know, that's not a bad catch. I'm sure. You get it? (laughs) Oh, well done. Oh, well done. Oh, Uh, but of course. uh, Oh, that that went. And I like him a little thick, so I really liked Ursula quite a bit. I like him thick and I like him old. So, she is, yeah. and she's kind of like jiggly too. I like she's well jiggly. endowed, Ursula. Oh, well, the bigger the cushion, as they say. <laughs> so, yeah, no, of course, of course. Okay, I, I don't think there's any shame in that. No. I mean, if you even think about—not that I'm a cartoon historian at all—but like Betty Boop and stuff like that. I mean, they were hypersexualized. Great point. You know, great point. Yeah, absolutely. The old Fleischer. I mean, it really started with Betty Boop. Fleischer's Betty Boop. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great point. I wasn't even thinking about going back that far, but for sure. But it was more her body than her face. Betty Boop had a little bit of a... Yeah. She had that like really... She was really exaggerated. You know, she had a huge head and a little body. Yeah, yeah. But she wore like kind of that skimpy dress. And I think... What did she have on? Like a garter belt or something yeah, like something that? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Pretty racy for its time. Definitely. 30s Definitely. and 40s you're talking about now. So I mean, it goes without saying that you also have been turned on or attracted to cartoon women. <laughs> Oh, me. (laughs) Yes, definitely. Absolutely. I could think of maybe the earliest one we talked about in a previous show that we just did recently was um, Tinkerbell, you know, and Peter Pan. You know, as a kid, it was like she was really, you know, a little short skirt. She was maybe the first one I can remember being like, oh, wow, she's really cute, even as a like a little boy. It's funny because when we did the Disney episode that we just put up a few weeks ago, I had originally made a thumbnail. I think I ended up using Alice. You did. Alice in Wonderland because it was just higher res. But I had too. I had a picture of. 
Tinkerbell, tink? but it just wasn't high res enough. It didn't look good, you know. Okay. But yeah, what, what, it, her and like one of her, like when she's like standing on her tippy toes, I think, or something like that. One of those, you know, cute she's shots. So of her. adorable. Yeah, definitely. You know. Definitely. Yeah, and then you like you said the anime chicks, and you could even think of like comic book, you know, certain women in comic books. I had a I had a crush on Psylocke from the X Men. I knew you were going to say that. Thought she was so cool. I knew you were going to say that. I wasn't even that big of a comic book fan, but for some reason, Cy- the character of Psylocke really spoke to me. I thought she looked really neat because she was sexy. She wore that blue suit and she had the katanas. Yeah. Yeah, she was like the ninja, yeah. cyber ninja type thing. Sure. And of course, anime girls, you know, with me growing up. I remember PJ, my friend PJ comes up a lot in the podcast, had a Lum poster from Yurisi Yatsura, that anime show. I don't know if you remember his Lum poster. She had like the bikini, like the tiger bikini on. Yeah. You know, the alien girl with the tiger bikini on. She was, she was really cute. So yeah, okay. So we're not... So we, you can't be embarrassed about that. No, definitely not. Although it's funny because in the PlayStation ecosystem right now, there's some controversy over like fan servicey games and how Sony's kind of clamping down on that. Okay. But it's weird because a lot of the fan servicey stuff today, I don't know enough about Japanese niche development anymore to be able to speak to it one way or the other. But a lot of it seems to be kind of crossing a line for a lot of people. The girls are getting a little younger. The interfaces are getting a little touchier, you know? <laughs> You know what I mean? Where Absolutely. Like there's like kind of weird stuff. It's weird because fan service didn't always mean that. Fan service totally just means like bodacious chicks in anime now. But I don't think that that's what it always meant. I don't think that's what it always meant either. That definition de- definitely got leveraged and changed. Now, yeah, yeah, it's funny that, you know, to toe the line there. I think it, there's always been sort of that. I mean, you could think back to things like even pre Sega CD, but I think a night trap a lot. Sure. Right. That, I mean, that was like and that was live action. Yeah, all FMV, know? definitely. And that just that was the 25th anniversary recently. It just came out to PS4 last year, I think, and Vita. I've never actually, I don't think, played Night Trap. I've watched, you know, play of it on yeah. Let's Plays and stuff. I didn't have it because it was, I think you played it on a VCR originally before it was on. Wasn't it like a VCR FMV game, one of those early? You might be right about that. You know, because there was like some weird games in that that era, and then it was ported to Sega CD, I think. Yeah, then they took it to Sega CD because yeah. they they knew they could market it that way. Something like that. You know? Something like that. Anyway, I don't know how we got onto this conversation. Oh, yeah. <laughs> truth or dare, but truth. But truth. Now, are we going to also do the lightning round at the end still? I have a surprise for you at the end. Oh, Can we exciting. save it for the surprise? That's tantalizing. The, yeah. <laughs> hey, now. That's tantalizing. All right. Now, digging for the uninitiated, we're at, what, 10 minutes into this episode? All right. So, for the uninitiated... <laughs> Knockback is a Collins Last Stand branded show that I do with my brother Dagan all about retro and nostalgic things, old things, whether it's a video game or a movie series, comics, whatever the case might be. And we've been doing some of these more amorphous and nebulous episodes that have been quite popular. It's funny because I was being a little selfish by trying to do these originally because they're just ways for Dagan and I to reminisce. And this show is slowly becoming a Moriarty lore podcast, which is funny to me. (laughs) And so this will add a great deal to it because we're going to do our holiday memories And people like these episodes, just like we did the Internet episode, the early days of the Internet. And we did the aforementioned, oh, yeah, recess and lunchtime and all those kinds of things. So this is going to be a similar episode with a lot of input from the audience. Now, we're recording Wave 6 here in Philadelphia, like I said. And Dagan, these are your chosen topics. So I want to let you kick off. If there's a way before we get into the letters, if you want to kind of just talk about holiday memories generally and this season, because... I've personally, maybe it's because I'm old and curmudgeonly, I also don't have children, which you do, but I find this time of year to be, or I find myself to be more and more detached from this time of year as time goes on, where I just don't even, doesn't even change anything for me anymore. It's just like a time where other people are, and there's a lot of activity going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it doesn't really affect me that much. Right. There's an inverse relationship between your age and how much money 
Christmas costs you as well. You know, <laughs> that's definitely how true. much value you extract out of Christmas and how much value everyone else around you extracts. Absolutely. Out of Christmas. Yeah. How much they're extracting from you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Of it kind of puts it in the context about like I'm just handing you know, letters that I would write to eventually just to mom and dad about what I want. It's a little, it's a little ridiculous. When you That's think about actually it. a great way to actually kick it off and what you're asking, because I think where this episode came from, Kyle, I thought it would be cool to do something topical for the holidays if we could squeeze it in. And I like your strategy about, you know, releasing it sooner rather than later so people can enjoy it for the holidays. Yeah, I think that's wise. That's a good method. But really where this came from, I think, was just thinking about Christmas and our family and the Moriarty family and the Ruggiero family specifically. You know, we grew up in a very close family and there are a lot of warm and fun memories associated with Christmas. And I thought of it sort of in a knockback centric way. I think I thought of it in sort of a, a way of their stages of your childhood Christmas. For me, it was sort of in a materialistic way, it was sort of divided into, okay, when you're really young, for me, it was toys. And then it kind of evolved into video games and that kind of overlapped with toys. And then for me personally, it overlapped from video games to skateboarding as far as the things I was going to get on Christmas morning and then video games and skateboarding overlap. So that was one way I thought of it. And then another way I thought of it was in relationship with my memories of my siblings and of, you know, mom and dad and our aunts and uncles that we're very close with. And of course, grandma and grandpa and sort of our whole, uh, our whole sphere around the holidays and what that meant, whether it was shopping, whether it was meals, whether it was spending time together on Christmas morning, Christmas Eve, traditions. So I think there's a lot to talk about. And I think, you know, you could we could kind of pepper it with fun things too as far as, you know, maybe a Christmas holiday that was particularly funny and maybe another Christmas holiday that was maybe not so much of a positive memory. You know, maybe something that we, a gift we always wanted that we didn't get or you know, something that happened on Christmas that was sort of unfavorable in some way. So I think there's a lot of ways, a lot of ways we could talk about it. Yeah, it's exciting. It's very exciting. And I, again, for you or you guys out there that don't know, this show is supported as all Collins Last Stands shows are supported. Sacred Symbols, a PlayStation podcast, Fireside Chats, the Eclectic Interview Series, SideQuest, the YouTube uh, channel that I do. All of it's supported on Patreon, patreon.com slash Collins Last Stand. If you support us at a certain level on there each month, you get early access to the topics that we're going to record and you get to submit your questions, comments, concerns, thoughts and ideas for the show. And we got more submissions than ever, which beats the more than ever submissions we got for wave five. And this is the first wave where I've really had to cull the herd a little bit. Unfortunately, we usually are, remember back in those quaint early days. The show's not even a year old yet, believe it or not. But in those quaint early days, we were easily able to read everyone's questions, comments, concerns, thoughts, and ideas. I think this time we're only going to get to most people's. And this particular submission, we must have gotten 25, 30 inquiries just on this topic. That's awesome. So it's cool. So there's a lot to talk about there as well. And, you know, I think you and I have different perspective on growing up and Christmas time because, you know, the divorce and we'll get into that, I think. But the divorce of our parents, the separation of our parents happened when I was very young. You were almost out of high school. So, yeah, I kind of got a different perspective on Christmas. And I don't know. I don't know that I have the warmest memory, like the ubiquitously warmest memories about Christmas. I just don't know that that's true. You know, I want to hear about that because there is you're right. There's a generational divide between us of being almost 11 years apart. And, you know, our family situation was much different. For instance, when you were eight, it was much different than when I was eight. So that's going to be add a little color to the conversation as well. Which is which is cool, which I'm looking forward to. Definitely. Nothing says holiday spirits like the divorce of your parents. (laughs) 
<laughs> Nothing raises the spirit. We're getting them already. Of Christmas. <laughs> of Jesus Christ. Well, let me ask you this before we get any further, because I don't Please. think anyone wrote in about this. I'm looking and, and be candid. Yeah. Was the religious component of this ever relevant to you? Because it had complete irrelevance to me. You know, it's funny. I was thinking about this the other day and I was talking about this to somebody. It might have been, you know, Helene, my wife. How? My wife. My Take my wife. <laughs> take my wife, please. I take my wife everywhere where she finds her way home. What's that? For? Oh, that's from Goodfellas. Right? Yes. Henny, a little Henny Youngman for you guys. Oh, no, you know what? I was talking to my mother-in-law about this. Mom and dad's trajectory with spirituality and sort of church and religion and everything, you know, we, we grew up Roman Catholic, but they were in and out. I remember there were, there were definite pronounced phases where we would go to church every Sunday and then for a couple of years we didn't, you know, and it was kind of like that. It was right, like right. ebbed and flowed. There was peaks and valleys with that. But Christmas Eve mass was always a big thing. That was a big thing at least 90% of the time from year to year. That was a pretty consistent carryover. We would go to mass on Christmas Eve in the evening and then come home. I think we had dinner, but it was never never mass on Christmas morning. And it always actually, with me, with going to church and everything like that, it always was a familiar thing to go to mass on the day before Christmas because it felt like going to mass on Saturday night, which grandma and grandpa were big fans of. And I think that was a very Italian thing because Sunday was really Sunday dinner and for the family, everything's like that. So they went to church on Saturday, not to get it over with, I'm not saying it like that, but, you know, and then it's, then mass was done and then Sunday could be for dinner. Well, to kind of get it over with. To get it over. Yeah, kind of get it over. So not Jesus knew, so Jesus knew you were in, you were out. <laughs> so that always felt the same. It was like going to mass on Saturday. always felt like going to mass on Christmas Eve. But that was usually, was definitely usually a thing. And we do the same thing now in my family. This way, Christmas, because Christmas can be so busy, especially if you're entertaining, which we usually are. And mom and dad usually entertained. You know, everybody came to us usually, so... Yeah, so that was always a big thing. Now, you never did? You never went to Mass? No, or? I think I did when I was a little younger. And yeah. I went to Catholic school, too, for a little while. So That's right. I, you know, I went to church every week. Which we did. During school. Right. Yeah, I was the only one that had that really great opportunity. So, <laughs> so like, and by the way, when I was driving to from Philadelphia Airport, Dagan lives in the suburbs, I was driving here. It takes like, you know, 45 minutes. I, I knew I was back in a Catholic area because there's a massive billboard. I'm like, I'm not in California anymore. There's a massive billboard on the highway. It says, pray for those in purgatory. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. When I saw that, I was like, oh, wow. Awesome. Love it. What was the, who, who and was, oh, the Virgin Mary was on it. I have no idea what was, was it the Catholic church? Was it presumably CCS, that's a, such a, that's such a Catholic thing, the purgatory. But I love that. I was like, oh yes, we're back. Wow. We're back You're because back? no one's Catholic. Right? Like I thought everyone was Catholic, Italian, Irish, and maybe Jewish. In the entire world, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Until uh, until I went because they California. were in your in your oh yeah, in my world, world. Yeah, yeah, that was absolutely. all that. That's all there was to it. Yeah, no, the church thing. It's funny you say that. It's what what are we now? Almost twenty minutes into the podcast. I wonder what phase Dad entered when he when he put up the picture of the Indian dressed as Jesus Christ, which is my <laughs> favorite piece of art. Oh my god! <laughs> dad went through. It's time we talk about our dad now. It's that time of the episode. <laughs> Our dad is very spiritual, very religious guy. He's like, you he know, uh, what do you call the, like an usher at church? He gives the host. Yeah, and the he's wine. a um, he delicately wipes the wine. Eucharistic off of minister. The, Eucharistic minister. Right. With the cloth, he gently wipes the cup when someone I've never taken the wine at church. I don't I don't take the wine. I do like the host because it tastes good, but I feel like I'm a little sacrilegious oh. when I'm eating it. I'll go up there. I mean, I just give, I'm a little hungry right now. Give me a little bit of those. <laughs> but 
<laughs> but dad has this dad went through a like I don't know what happened. like dad went through like a new age r- revival in in the 90s. Not like evangelical. It had nothing to do with Christianity. I don't think really like dad had some sort of like some sort of revelation. Yeah. And not the book of revelation, but just some sort of revelation. <laughs> And there's this picture dad has. I don't know if it's still there of like my dad. Our dad's really into like Native Americans, Native American imagery and all that kind of stuff of like a Native American elder. That's kind of like also Jesus Christ. Yeah. You know, like that a picture shaman. About. Yeah. Like a shot, like a medicine man. <laughs> oh my God. I forgot about that. <laughs> Hi, dad. And hey, dad. by the way, I think it'll go up live. Well, it'll definitely go live after this. But dad's coming to visit us here in Philly for a night and we're going to all record an episode together. It's going to so, be so fun. And I want it to be about what it's like raising us. I think that's what it, I think that's what it's going to be. It'll allow him to take shots at us. I think he's going to enjoy that opportunity. Oh, I think he's going to love that. Yeah, he's going to relish gonna, that opportunity. I think he's absolutely going to love that. But, <laughs> but there are so many components to this conversation. It's almost overwhelming because I'm looking at my notes here and I have some memories and some funny things that we can throw in there. But there's like everything from the decorations to the presents and the and things you might have bought for others and the things you didn't want and the disappointment. I certainly had a fascination with, you know, growing up on Long Island, which I've always joked around, but I kind of mean it like we are honorary Jewish people by growing up on Long Island because it's so Jewish there. And so I was always also intrigued by the Hanukkah experience and like the nine presents and all the eight presents and whatever it is and being a little jealous. You know, they start a little earlier. They get something every day. Yeah. So then we started. I remember we had a little tradition. We only did it a few years and then people pretended that we never did it where we opened one gift on Christmas Eve. Do you remember this? Yeah, absolutely. Because yeah, then yeah. in the 90s, like everyone pretended like that never happened. Really? They yeah. we stopped doing it? I think when I was in like high school or something, like I was like, let's like the, the jig is up. We all know we're buying each other presents. Let's like just sit around and open something on Christmas Eve. Absolutely. I was like, we never did that. Oh, that's weird. It's yes. like mom with you telling you that you love meatloaf. <laughs> just that little bit of torture they have to conduct. But I think the best way we can structure this dig is I'm just going to start reading through these comments. Absolutely. I can't wait to hear these. And they're in no particular order. I actually okay. think that they're probably in the order that I received them. So they are in some sort of particular order. I guess I lied to you there. We don't lie. You shouldn't lie in December around Jesus's birthday. Michael Steinmetz wrote into us. Okay. And he said, I remember the thought of getting up on the roof to help my dad put up Christmas lights uh. was the coolest thing as a kid. When I was probably in fifth grade, my dad started letting me get up and help him. By the time high school rolled around, I was putting them up by myself. I'm 33 now, and to this day, when I go home for Thanksgiving, my parents asked me to get on the roof and put up the lights. In hindsight, this may have been a really long con by my dad to get out of some work, but I really love decorating the house and putting up lights. Did the Moriarty's go all out for Christmas lights, or were you all a bunch of Grinches? Oh, I like this question. There were specific rules, and I think that you can talk a little bit more about this than I can, but I was always enamored with colored lights, especially the... I was talking about this with your wife when we went to dinner yesterday, actually. Especially the thick old school glass ones, which no one uses anymore. No. You know, and if I have a house one day, those are going on the fucking They're house. They're sort of the opaque ones. They're not, or the at least translucent, translucent. They have that sort of, I know exactly what you're talking about. And they're kind of oversized. Yeah, they're big. Well, they can be translucent or they can be like, they can be painted over, almost like they chip. Yeah. You know what I'm talking yes, about? Like exactly. grandma and grandpa had them on the bushes out front and stuff. But we never, we had them a little bit. But the thing I wanted to say is that mom had an absolute allegiance yeah to white christmas lights yes she did not tolerate the colored christmas by the lights. time you were born that was the big thing so i don't remember ever having colored christmas lights ever on a christmas tree ever now mm-hmm. sometimes outside we'd put them on some stuff yeah yeah can you speak a little bit about that Absolutely. with mom because mom was very giving and very kind to us but i just remember there being a militancy yeah we are not putting colored cr- lights on this christmas tree <laughs> you know 
Just yeah, I think mom and dad. Oh, I mean, I say this jokingly, but I think mom and dad sort of became snobs. I think that's what ended up happening. Because in Brookhaven, growing up in the seventy, I'm mean, in Medford, rather our first house was really our second house. But when we moved out east to Medford, I was four years old. It was 1977, I guess. Probably that year, 77 through I would say through 87, because that's when we moved to the next house. So from that 10 years, mom and dad put colored lights on the house. It was colored lights. It was those colored lights that you're referring to. The big, thick glass ones. Big, thick glass ones, the painted ones that could chip. Right. Old school, very 60s and 70s sort of, even probably dating back to the 50s. The best. That's a great look, classic look, right? But then that became, I think as the 80s progressed into the mid 80s, I think it was more fashion forward to do the white lights. It was just more elegant and stuff like that. And when they moved into their, their house, which was, you know, their dream house and their big house, they became like, no, it's just going to be candles in the windows and a couple of white lights outside. And where we live too, I don't know if we ever talked about this on the show in Brookhaven Hamlet, there were codes that you couldn't do certain things. You couldn't paint the house a certain color. You know, it could only be like white or cedar. Yeah, we all the shutters cedar, could yeah. only be a certain color. There was laws to keep things looking cohesive in a certain way. Some people think that's very snobbish, snobbish, but that's just the way it was there. But I don't think the Christmas lights played into those codes. I don't think I think it was just mom and dad's attitude about now we have this house. We have to you know what I mean? They were right because of, we went. I mean, I guess what you're saying is that the Medford neighborhood we lived on neighbor Avenue in Medford was like more of a working class, middle class, you know, lower middle class, middle class kind of place where maybe more things went. And Absolutely. then we moved to what was, I guess, more of an upper middle class, maybe even wealthy area of Long Island. Not that we were wealthy. Dad just was never home. Right. He just <laughs> Dad worked. Just, Dad just worked five jobs. jobs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, so I never actually, it's funny you say that because I never thought about that, that that was kind of a status symbol for them was because I remember going around, you know, the candles Dagan is talking about, like we would, we had lived in a two story colonial and there were candles and I remember going and plugging them in. That was like kind of my job. You'd go and plug them in. Each, I remember that. I remember room. you doing that. But I do remember very clearly it probably was after mom left. So probably like winter 92 where dad put colored lights on like everything for me, like went and bought the glass lights. Because uh, remember cute. when dad planted all the evergreen trees like in a rows next to the house? Yeah, sure. We lived on like an acre. A lot of it was wooded in the back. We had like a in-ground pool wooded on the side. But there was a big front yard, probably maybe a fifth of the parcel. But dad planted these evergreen trees probably in the late 80s or early 90s this row of them which i think they've taken out since and he wrapped them all up in lights for me i, re- I have a very vivid me- remembrance of that because i was so excited that we finally got the glass lights like kids grandma and grandpa hate used. white lights my kids have complained about it too and you know what's funny my wife helene she's really into decorating the house and you see how the house is now call my kids would bellyache about it and then she would sort of give in and say, do, let's do the colored lights. But it's so funny, like this year or last year, Helene was just like, no, we're just doing it the way I want to. <laughs> like same as mom and dad, the same exact thing. Which is like, no, you know what I mean? You guys are older now, a little older now. We're going to do the white lights and make things look elegant and stuff. But isn't that funny that kids don't like the white lights? It's just boring. It's boring. It's not colorful. It's no. It's not vibrant. No. It's, it's not just, festive enough. I still don't understand the aversion to it, even as an adult. No, I'm not telling you I have any taste. I've been wearing <laughs> I've been wearing rap rock earrings in my ears for almost 20 years now. Don't t- come to me. You're living that. Yeah. I mean, I'm living the rap rock lifestyle for so long that it's coming back, you know, which I always knew would happen. All right. I always knew it was going to come back. Oh, yeah. It came back. But once something once I do something, I'm doing it forever. These you're things in. are never fucking coming out of my ears. And those colored lights are never coming off my house. My so when you have a house, you're going to go, but you're going to rock the old school. You're oh, going to do it that you way. Best believe. Oh, and I'm going to do it. Huge. I'm going to get so nerdy. 
Yeah. Then I'm going to invest some funds in going on eBay and trying to find authentic 60s or 70s lights that were never open. And I'm using those bad boys that probably take more power than the entire house. I love it. You know, let me ask you this, please. Now you got the all kinds of things with the projecting, you know, you're projecting things on the house, animated things on the house, and you got the inflatable decorations and stuff like that. So you see that from time to time. But you remember the old school, big, giant plastic decorations it might be a big, giant plastic snowman and a Santa, Santa and the, the reindeer sled. and all that. Yeah, sure, yeah. sure. Are you going to go that you're going to no, do? No, that's that's giant too much. candles. Yeah, the kid. No, that's too much. That's, okay. I would go as far as that's a little gaudy for me. That's too much. That's too far. I just want the big colored lights, orange, okay. blue, green, red, whatever, just on the front of the house, maybe okay. around a tree. And so it will be. You know, if, should I ever actually own anything? I like just, it. You know, unlikely at this point, well, <laughs> since I refuse to ever leave cities, it'll probably be hard for me to ever actually own anything. But it's a dream we can dream nonetheless. I mean, I've never even had a Christmas tree in my adult life, like in my own home. You guys don't have a tree in that? You just Aaron wants to get a tree yeah, and it's got a fake one. Well, I think we'll get a real one. OK, let's do it right. Do you All have right. a fake tree or a real tree? We went with I don't want to bore you guys with this, but we went with a fake tree this year for the first time ever because we have there's some kind of Chinese wood boring insect thing going on right now i forget what it's called <laughs> and like we were afraid to bring the eggs in the house oh interesting yeah they're they're really bad actually here but there's some kind of rash of wood boring insect that we were like no we can't possibly risk it and a lot of people went with fake trees this year i was a little bummed by that because we had the tradition of going to the christmas tree farm mm-hmm. every year picking out the tree they cut it down for us it's a lot of fun you know i lo- i actually really like the the real tree i don't mind watering it every day giving it a little of that solution you know in the water the sugar solution or whatever but yeah fake tree this year because of the chinese the infestation of that chinese insect that is supposedly eating the trees (laughs) my favorite thing about living in cities over time you might notice this when you lived in philadelphia when you were younger is just slowly people abandoning Christmas trees on like the side of the road on the sidewalks. Absolutely. Like, and then they would, you would start seeing them creeping out in like March, February and March, <laughs> just these dead evergreen trees that maybe someone will come pick up at some point. Just it's like mattresses. When someone just leaves a mattress on the side of the right, road, it's like, right, well, right. someone will take this eventually. That's like my favorite part. So it's always like you have to dispose of it, but I like the idea. I like that Alpine kind of piney smell. Oh, you know? it smells so good. It's very nice. It's very nice. Now, Dagan, Let's riff off of someone else, please. I've marked all of these, by the way, with like one or two words, like what each one's about. Okay. And I just keep looking at the one like that a says little title. That, yeah, it says divorce. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that one. Later. Keeping it festive. Let's see. Let's go. Oh, Sean Mason's got a good one for us. Hey, guys. Because he says in Dagan's voice in parentheses. When I think of holiday memories, the Christmas season is the thing that comes to mind. Ever since I remember, I'm 23. You're very young. My family has hosted our annual family Christmas Eve party. It's full of great food, fun and family. The nights usually consist, by the way, nice use of alliteration, whether you meant to or not. The, ne- the night usually consists of Smash Brothers, Mario Kart, Trivial Pursuit, a Yankee Swap, which has only become funnier as we've all aged. Our Yankee Swap is also legendary, and we'll talk about that. Writing letters to Santa for the younger ones and my cousin, Michael or Michaela, I don't know. I, I, I think it might be Michaela. Reminding my grandma that Jesus wasn't actually born on Christmas, much to her dismay. There you go. And by the way, uh, we did we talk about this on another we show? Talked about I talked this about yesterday. It? Yeah, but I think I talked about it on Sacred Symbols, right? You did. Right? You are so that's where about, yeah. that's where you With you Chris. heard it, and that's true. For people that don't know, just to put it out there, Christmas was attached by early, the early well, not really the mid Christian Church in Rome to associate with pagan winter solstice events, so that there would be kind of crossover, so that they would be like, oh, well, we always celebrate something at this time of year. <laughs> Why not celebrate the birth of Christ? But if you read about it, Jesus Christ was almost certainly not born in the winter. Where was I? Growing up, did the Moriarty family have a Christmas party? If so, what sort of activities did it entail? Thanks, guys. 
keep up the tremendous work. Mm. So talk to me a little bit about our Christmas traditions. We have, especially our Christmas Eve tradition lives on, and I don't think it's ever been interrupted with the fish. So talk to talk to me a little bit and talk to us a little bit Dave, about what we do on Christmas Eve as really a Rajiro, which is my mom's side tradition. So it's the Feast of the Seven Fishes. So every Christmas Eve, and you know what, Kyle, I don't know. Do you remember when this started in the family? Did Grandpa, Grandma and Grandpa always do it, or did it start at a certain point in, in our family? I don't remember, because I don't remember always doing it. When I was very young, I don't remember it being a thing. Yeah, I don't remember either, but I also loathe seafood to such an extent you that do. I will block it out of my... <laughs> It's the worst tradition. I wish we had like the feast of the seven chicken cutlets or something like that. That know? would be good. But mom always made you some chicken cutlets in there, didn't she? Oh, yeah. I'm 34 years old and she'll still do that for me she'll if I want to. She'll make you a little yeah. chicken. Meanwhile, like I have six nieces and nephews that are no older than the age of 12 that all eat they the all fish. Eat and I'm, I'm eating chicken cutlets with ketchup. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yeah. So it's basically a, an Italian tradition where... You have a, a multi-course meal on Christmas Eve consisting of different seafood. So you have lobster tails and you have a usually a pasta with maybe a little sautéed shrimp. A little pasta. Shrimp cocktail. A mm-hmm. little bit. You know, you have a, a, a specifically a fish dish, like a little bit of a tilapia or a, um, flounder. Baked clams is one, as I remember. And I'm a little resentful about this tradition because I miss it every year because now our sisters, Dana and Allie and mom, are all down and our aunt. Our Aunt Carla and Uncle Mike and Cousin Jamie, they're all down in Richmond now. They're all down in Virginia and they do it. And I never make it down there because I'm usually down there for Thanksgiving. So I'm not going to go down there again. You know, so I always miss it. So I always tell mom to ship me a couple of lobster tails, but she never does. Just mail them to me. Ship or shit? Oh, ship. Okay. Don't Uh, shit. Don't don't ship me any lobster tails. Keep that in your private. Keep that private. (laughs) Just send me a couple. Yeah. That would really constitute very well. I don't think that would hold up too well. I mean, as an experiment, I dropped, you know, I owe you money for your contract work. And so I dropped you a check in the mail on Monday morning and it just arrived here on Friday. It was Friday Friday. now. I I wanted to see if I beat it here or not. I was surprised that I beat it here and then it took two more days for it to come. So just imagine how long it would take for those. (laughs) Those lobster tails. Those lobster tails to come here. From Virginia. But that was always a fun. That was always. That's a really fun tradition because, you know, and it's, you know, we'll get to this too. But I'm sure we'll talk more about this. But. Mealtime in our family was such a thing. I try to impart this to my kids who like really want to rush through meals and stuff like that. It's like this was a time where not only on the holidays, but just in general, but especially on the holidays where you could sit down and it was a warm environment and you could sit down and just laugh and talk and eat and enjoy food and enjoy enjoy each other's company with family. And that was something that always spoke to me on Christmas Eve, but also Christmas Day, you know, that and a little bit even going in bleeding over into New Year's, you know, every every holiday from Thanksgiving through New Year's Eve, it was really, you know, that it was really about family and coming together around the table and eating. And that was always such a even before, you know, the feast of the seven fishes, I think. Our holiday, like I said earlier, we usually entertained at our house. So we would wake up in the morning. And an exchange presents that, you know, the, the five of us. And then when you were born, the six of us, and then, you know, sort of have breakfast and mom would be cooking already. And then company would come probably to early from early to mid afternoon and then stay late, you know, and aunt Joni and aunt Carla and uncle Mike and grandma and grandpa and uncle John, everybody would come over whatever cousins. And that was, we'd have a, you know, a meal together. We'd have dinner together. And usually mom made a ham, you know, like a Christmas ham. And that was, I remember that being the big Christmas tradition. So, you know, but no matter what the food was, it was always about, you know, the food was always sort of the centerpiece or the excuse to come together around the table 
And that was, you know, that's not to be sappy, but that's really one of my greatest memories and something that, you know, I really aim to emulate with my own family. I'm very fond of ham. You like, you're a ham guy. So is my son. So is Graydon. Ham's great. What great meat. I've never understood. Like, I understand people's aversion to turkey. It's a little boring. Could be dry. Could be dry. Yeah, sure. a, little, a little boring. That's why you have to dump it in, you know, pound of gravy on it, <laughs> make it palatable. I love turkey cold cuts, but I can do without like, you know, a slice of turkey. It's just like it's like crumble. It's like, are you a white I, meat guy or a dark meat? No, guy? I prefer dark meat. Me too. White meat is fine. But, you know, if you're making chicken salad or you make turkey salad, which is pretty good, too. But hmm. Dark meat all Sounds the way, delicious. man. I never I will never understand unless you have, are health conscious. I guess I will never understand why you would ever want white meat over dark meat. The, the dark breast. meat is so flavorful. Right? I agree. My whole family goes for the the breast, the white meat. I go yeah. for the dark meat. Good. Let them. Yeah. Fuck I em. want the I want the wings. <laughs> I want the thigh and the wing. Yeah. We usually give you the Viking, the Viking Absolutely. leg. You know, yeah. So which are which our nephew Declan has taken over. Oh, nice. Yeah. He had the. I think he had the tur- at Thanksgiving this year. He had the he was holding the turkey leg like Leif Erickson, just like Leaf. Very good. Or as I used to call him when I once when I was a kid, Eric the Leaf, <laughs> which is not actually his name. No, I enjoy that togetherness, too. But it was I only have flashes of memories of that because that was over by the time, you know, as we've discussed many times on this podcast, my childhood was stolen from me, <laughs> snatched, snatched away from me through the perils of divorce how did you make it to where you are today i have no idea unbelievable it's a good question grit grit and determination i think so and so my memories are more of being split like i remember spending one christmas with mom in maine when we lived up there but i would always come down to the island for christmas but it was always like you were always i remember it being a little more hectic when i was in middle school and high school in the 90s and into the aughts i guess where we would usually end up at aunt Joni's, i think towards that era definitely we would have a good time there and stuff like that but i never really had that togetherness with just the immediate family it was always fun i remember when i was in high school though everyone would come home there's pictures of us all four of us i think all four of those years where we would have fun and exchange gifts and be silly together and you know bust dad's chops or whatever the case might be and dad might make you know some food with spices from the 80s and <laughs> talk about that a little bit yeah so I used to bust dad's balls because dad literally had spices. And I'm so sad because I accidentally left them when I moved out of San Francisco. I accidentally left them there. So I'm sure they were oh, thrown away. I didn't know that. But dad had these spices. Now, you, we had the normal, you know, garlic powder that was new pepper and salt. But if it was like this weird shit, like turmeric or cumin or something like that, these things were in these metal containers. Yeah. And I shit you not. They had sell by dates on them from between 1978 before Allie was even born. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Until the early 80s and as a joke when dad moved or no, I think it was even before dad moved as a joke. Dad sent me the, the old spices. Oh, that's he did. Yeah, he sent them to me in San Francisco. And <laughs> so I, ha- I had these like a few of these old spice containers with literally sell by dates from before I was born that dad was trying to still make shit with. And he was we, using them and he was insisting <laughs> that they were fine, that they were fine. <laughs> These cloves are fine. <laughs> this paprika, this is paprika is fine. I remember a few of them were even in like cardboard boxes which spices don't even really come in anymore you know like bay leaves that were god knows when those bay leaves Can you were from. imagine like that those bay leaves were from before i saw empire strikes back that, that's insane <laughs> those that's bay crazy leaves, those bay leaves were being cultivated when empire strikes back was being filmed <laughs> that's amazing but he did the legends are true he really god bless him god bless him so those were fun times i do look back fondly on those times because those you know, everyone was scattered to the wind at that point. So that was the only time. That yeah, we came together. Saw each other. Really. Absolutely. Those were fun. Those were fun reun- little reunions every year. Yeah, I, I remember having a good time with us. Maybe going, you know, like we saw Lord of the Rings one year and 
you know, went to the movies. Yeah, or, going to the movies was a part of that. Definitely. And I remember going to the mall a couple times, too, around Christmas, like after Christmas to go spend money and stuff. And I feel like that was suicidal. Like, I don't know why I did that. You know, why would I, everyone go to the mall? I remember going to get a DualShock controller in 1998 wow. when, when I got Metal Gear Solid. And we're going to do an episode about Metal Gear Solid very soon, actually, on this wave. So we can talk more about that. But I remember oh, yeah. very clearly going to the mall the day after 1998, I think it was, to get my DualShock controller, blue DualShock controller. And also ended up randomly buying this green vest, this like fleece vest. I don't know why I remember this. I, Interesting. I was with Dana. Oh, fleece. Yeah, because that was the that was the era of fleece. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, because I definitely needed a fleece vest. <laughs> Ryan T. Mandel wrote into us and said more than the holiday itself. I was always excited for rituals that led up to the day. Setting up Christmas decorations throughout the house was family affair for us growing up, and it always took place the day after Thanksgiving. My siblings, of which there are six and I, would fight and debate over who would get to arrange the stockings over the fireplace. Order of the stockings mattered as if the first one received more stuff from Santa. Or who gets to put the angel on the tree or even the seating arrangement for opening presents on Christmas Day. Having children my own now, I find rituals like these even more satisfying and enjoyable as I see them excited or how excited they get throughout the days leading up to Christmas. Thank you, Colin and Dagan, for all the content. So we were talking a bit about the, about the lights and the minutia of the big outdoor kind of stuff but do you remember kind of the indoor you know decorations and how that all kind of went and of course all culminating with the tree itself absolutely that was such a big thing in our in our family mom and dad always got a real tree or almost always i don't remember that there ever being a fake tree and decorating the tree decorating the house but decorating the tree was always such a huge thing and something that i always looked forward to because we always put on christmas specials you know the animated christmas specials were on tv at that time we probably got started Mom might correct me on this, but I would say we probably got started around this time, like early-ish December, like the first week of December. And the tree would go up. Mom and dad would have the tree. And then mom got the boxes out. I mean, it's so funny, right? I mean, I just turned 45. There wasn't even Rubbermaid bins back then. Everything was in like Apple boxes, like cardboard boxes. Yeah, dad had access to these kind of high-quality wax box, like wax-covered boxes boxes from produce. Yeah, That's where all the ornaments were. They dig them out of the basement. We would hang the ornaments up and we would really look forward to it. And I think... You know, the three of us. And then when you were born in 84, the four of us, everybody had their own favorite ornaments. It was like, oh, I love that one. And everybody would sort of take the same ones and hang them every year. And mom had some old ones that were like carryovers from her great grandpa, from her grandparents, our great grandparents. And so she had a lot of like ones that were like keepsakes for her. And then we had some of the newer ones, but most of them were really old wooden ornaments or glass ornaments. And we would be so into it, you know, with such a warm memory I remember in those Christmas decorations and, you know, the nativity set that had, I don't know if you remember that old wooden nativity set that mom sure. and dad had the little, you know, the little miniatures. I guess the figures were like the carved figures were probably like, what, six inches, five inches yeah. or something. And in that box of ornaments was this candle. I always remember this candle. It was like a plastic candle with an image on the outside and it had that sort of uh, fine, like sandy texture on the outside of it. It was like glazed. But the candle was scented and it smelled such a nostalgic smell for me, but it must have had a strong smell. It was an old candle. It made the whole box of ornaments smell. And I remember that being, you know, that always drumming up that sort of nostalgia for me was that smell of that particular candle. And that was always a really a big thing for us. We spent the whole day decorating the house, decorating the tree. It was usually the kids and mom because dad was usually working, you know, stringing up. I remember this becoming a thing for a little while too, stringing up the popcorn for the tree for like the popcorn tinsel that was like a big thing that we looked forward to and you know charlie brown christmas would be playing and all the rankin bass we'll get to this you know we'll talk more about this but the christmas special would be playing in the background or christmas music and it was always a 
that was a really big ritual. I don't think we ever missed a year doing that together as a family. We looked really forward to that decorating and, you know, definitely fighting, you know, to see who would put the angel on top. We were an angel on the top of the tree family. We didn't do the star. We did the angel. Right, right. And I believe it was an animal, if you remember this, it was an angel that I made in preschool. Yeah. Was it like a paper towel thing or something like something it was, like that? It was like a, a styrofoam. It might have been a paper towel thing. Like turn or a styrofoam cone. Yeah, yeah. Like turned upside yeah, down yeah. with foil and like it had a little styrofoam head and like a pipe cleaner halo, you know, and Just pipe the, cleaner arms. The perfect representation of uh, St. Peter himself. It was brilliant. It was beautiful. And that was the that was our angel every year. That speaks to mom and dad too, like uh, as far as, you know, upholding tradition rather than trying to do something fancy. You know, they, they were very good about doing things that made us happy. You know, as far as like, you know, when we were, you know, we talked about this with the colored lights and the decorations and kind of letting us decorate the tree and not lording over it to make it look, you know, sophisticated. And they really let us have it. You know, they let us have the holidays. And that was they were really good about that. You know, we bust our chops a lot. <laughs> and we're at the, I'm sure it's minutes away from more <laughs> ball busting, but they were super good with that. I remember that we did have this. I don't know what it was. It was like some sort of pine tree or something in the house that was in the living room of the Marie Court house that was in this. Do you know what I'm talking about? It was like in the corner near the still. And I remember that that was like the Charlie Brown Brown Christmas tree. And we would be allowed to put like colored lights on that, which I remember. Totally forgot about that. You know, mom tucked it in the corner so no one would see it. (laughs) And there it was in the the room. No one was allowed in. Right. Yes. That was was, in the living room. Yeah. yeah, The living room. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, It was like next to the stove and. I Which is probably that. why that tree never grew because it was wow. getting pounded with 250 degree Fahrenheit heat all day. <laughs> <laughs> it was more like a cactus. I know. It was like, <laughs> no wonder that thing was really having a was failing to thrive as it probably would have in the wild. Right, because the wood giant wood burning stove was in that room. That's right. But I, I forgot all about that. But I have to say that there are certain ornaments that I remember, and I must also say, and I don't know if you know what I'm going to say, that okay. your son broke one of mom's ornaments a couple years ago. Yes, remember? So I do. Dagan's son Graydon and by the way just as a funny aside I gave Graydon let's go what is it called let's go Pokemon or something let's go Pikachu let's go Pikachu let's go Eevee let's go Eevee I bought him that for Christmas and so I gave him their, I gave him Dagan's kids their Christmas presents early since I won't be here and then realized that he had gotten his switch taken away so they had a <laughs> what did they take what did you guys do what did he do he was what did he do he got to speak Graydon's language like my son loves to play video games so when he misbehaves you know, and he, it's usually bad. Like, you know, he's just having a really bad day and he's really being obnoxious. Like, he just won't quit. You know, it's like, all right, give me the switch, you know. So, yeah, he won it back. He got easy. He got he got off easy this time, which I forgot about, even knowing you right. came with the game. But, yeah, I totally forgot about it. I think he broke more than one ornament that year at Mom's. Yeah, because I remember he broke Mr. Albertson, which was Mom's, like, favorite, <laughs> like, from the 40s. I, Mom's born in 1950, but I think it was even older than her, this turtle with like glitter on it and stuff yeah. that mom had. And what was sad about it, two things were sad about it for him and for her was he was warned multiple times that he was going to break something and then he broke an ornament that didn't matter and then he broke that ornament. Yeah, he broke more than one. And I remember that was the only time I was, I, I've ever, I think, scolded him where I was like, you got to go. <laughs> you can't be here. Anymore. You know, like, and I think he was really quite upset about it. Oh, I'm sure he was. But it was also funny because mom being grandma, you could see that mom was straddling that line as well. Yeah. Where she was really upset about it. That's hard. You can't get upset at the grandkids. Right. 
Really? You can't act like the parent when you're the grandpa. There's a certain thing. Now, we'll talk about a story that I oh, did when I was a kid. That, I can't we'll wait. get to that. That's can't way wait. worse. So I'm not calling out Graydon to the mat here. Oh, it's the best. Because it's fucking way worse. It's the best story And there's ever. a picture of it, which I, I just discovered that Dagan told me. So we're going to have to get that online because it is so funny. Oh, it's the best. But we'll talk about that in a minute. But yeah, I, so I remember these various ornaments that like kind of there was like a pecking order with the ornaments where the tree was always tucked into the corner. So you'd use like the shitty ornaments in the back of the tree, like the ornaments I would see just to make it look full. Absolutely. And I was noting, noticing your tree, your tree is chock full of ornaments. There's no more room for ornaments on that. There's a lot. You guys are maxed out. It's maxed. You got to, I think you might have to start removing some. Because Helene does it. And then the kid, I think Helene, I think the way Helene's strategy with decorating the tree is she wants the kids to be involved. So she does it. She lets them go, you know, hog wild. And then she goes in and does a pass. You know, when they're content that she goes in and she'll sort of balance things out and do what she wants to do a little bit in there and you know, not make it look like she's taken over. She's very good about that kind of stuff. That is good. She's, I mean, you know, strategy, strats, strats. Jake Whitaker wrote into us and said, I always remember on Christmas morning, my parents would line up me and my siblings in order of age on the stairs. We would take a picture and anxiously await that moment when dad would say, all right, go. We would all charge up the stairs full speed and get ready to open gifts. It was always a good time. Did you guys have any similar traditions that you would do every year? Did we ever have a photo tradition? The one tradition we did have was that our grandparents would buy us pajamas. Yes. That we would all wear. I guess you wouldn't wear them after a while, but every year we would get a new pair of pajamas that we would wear on Christmas and then continue to wear and them. And mom for... took out, took over that tradition and buys now buys the pajamas for all the kids. Yeah, it's a nice tradition. Do you remember, this re- just reminds me of waking up in the morning and having to wait. Seven o'clock was our time. It was like, if you guys wake up at six, that's fine. Don't wake me and dad up until seven o'clock. That's the reasonable time. Then we'll go down. They were always very good about it. But it was like, I think mom was kind of up, but dad was probably beat. Right, right. So it was like, let dad sleep till seven o'clock. That was always a big thing. Do you have any memories of that? No, definitely. I remember, again, it's it's that inverse relationship where you just couldn't sleep. You wanted to get up and then you just couldn't be bothered. Because I remember even Allie and Dana being somewhat responsible for us at some point, not getting up in time to open things. Like it wasn't always the parents. Then it was Allie and Dana that we had to wait for. Right. When they got a little older. Yeah. They wanted to sleep. You know, a little they sleep longer. in a little bit. That's funny. You're but right I remember that, that eagerness. I, I mean, I remember so clearly just for those few years that I remember before the divorce where you're just so excited that anticipation, it really is overwhelming. It's just overwhelming. And I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's like the belief in Santa. I don't know that I really believed in Santa for very long, to be honest. I just don't know that I did. I want to talk to you about this. I don't really remember one way or the other. My best friend at the time was a year older than me. He also had older brothers that were, you know, they were, they were great kids, but they were dicks to each other. So I'm sure that they spoiled it for each other as soon as humanly possible. And then I was, you know, proxy to that. But also I had three older siblings and I think the jig was kind of up for me pretty early, you know, and I think it was good because then I realized, oh, your guys are just buying, like I can cut the middleman. I can just talk to you guys about what's going on here. You know, <laughs> that's a good, that's a, that's you know, good I don't thinking. need, we don't need to pretend there's this weird shit going on, <laughs> you know, in the Arctic anymore. We can just talk to, we can talk directly like we're adults here. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, no, but I remember that anticipation. But then, you know, even as I got older, I remember in high school, like I was the one being woken up. I remember you getting coming into the I actually remember this. You coming in. I, I don't know what, what year it was probably like 11th or 12th grade where you came into the bedroom and just ripped the comforter off of me. <laughs> just like straight up ripped it off. That's awesome. I don't remember doing yeah. that. Yeah. So how old were you then? Probably like 16, 15, 16 oh, years that's old. That's funny. Yeah. Oh, I think I do remember yeah. that. Just walked in and like ripped. The, it was like 12 o'clock in the afternoon or something like that. <laughs> That's when you really know that you're over Christmas, you know, or that you just asked for certain things and you knew you were going to get you them. You knew you were going to get them. Like so I would like, ask for a few video games or music or something like that. And you just, oh my God, that's what I assume's down there. I'll get to it eventually. Yeah, that's the bittersweet though, isn't mm. it? 
when it, you sort of go through that period of like it, it, it sort of changes from that wonder of being a kid to like you know it becomes more it's still fun it's still a positive thing but it's that luster is gone now you know that's something that that's one of those bittersweet things that people have to go through you know you know transitioning from kids to being a young adult now you know definitely definitely and i also feel like he was talking about photo traditions i feel like those are relevant because Today, everyone's taking pictures of everything. I feel like the people are taking way too many pictures. We're way too liberal with taking pictures. And Dagan and I were kidding around about when we were at dinner yesterday that like, I'm not even sure there's any pictures of me or any proof that I existed from probably like <laughs> age eight to 12 or something like that. Because I, I know there are pictures of the three of you before the accident Colin happened in the 80s, that there are three <laughs> pictures of you or pictures of the three of you rather in like front of the fireplace in the old house and, or in you know Medford. And yeah. So were there Some. traditions like, yeah, were there traditions like that where people were like, encouraging you to uh to you know stay still while you're opening a present or whatever so i remember that and you're sort shot. of you're trying to temper you know you're trying to tamp down your anticipation and just be patient you know you know i, I gotta start by saying kyle mom reminded me over thanksgiving that you were indeed we talked about this before but you were in fact the only child that was not a mistake you were the only one that they actually tried to have <laughs> did you know that no i don't believe we them. joke about it all the time but she was like no for real like Colin was the only one we actually tried for okay well it's just that I'm disturbed is, by this for multiple reasons. I, I'm a little disturbed by having to put it like this. Right. So it's a little weird. But. It's weird for multiple reasons. <laughs> it's weird because that means mom and dad were just going hog wild in the 70s. And Anything I don't really want to. I don't want to consider it. There could have been 14 of us. I know. And, and you know, our Irish birthdays and stuff like that. You and Dana <laughs> were pretty, pretty close. We but. were. Yeah. Year and a half. Not even a year. And yeah, a half. exactly. So depending on how that would have went, you know. And then that they were trying to have. I don't like that. I don't like the deliberate nature of that. I at didn't all. think this hard about it. Now you're no. disturbing me. But I also don't believe them. I think you should straight really? up. Really? You think so? Are you kidding me? I they, don't think so. 73, right? 70. You were born in 73. 73 yep. Dana was born in 75. 75. Allie was born in 79. 79. And then 84. 84. I don't think so, guys. Sorry. I'm not a you're rube. You're not buying it. I'm not a, I'm no fool. Well, think about it from this perspective. It's kind of boring to talk about, but being a little older, you know, as far as mom and dad's perspective, being a little older, having a little more money, they're a little more secure. You know, dad was promoted. He was kind of making his way up through the ranks of the fire department. So there's more, a lot more money where that, you know, that's the way it goes with, you know, inner city police and firefighters, you know, the right, money right. comes from promotion. So think about it from that perspective. I don't know. I kind of buy it. I don't know. You think it's revisionist history? Though, I think huh? it's definitely revisionist history <laughs> because they would never really overtly deny that, 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 you know, like it was, I, I just think it's somewhat obvious, you know, but that's fine. Whatever you guys, whatever stories you want to tell yourself is fine with me. I'm not going <laughs> to, I'm not here to dispel Fair whatever enough. makes you happy. Whatever <laughs> makes you happy is fine. I guess we should get into this though. Matt Borges or Borges or Borges. I, I'm sorry. I'm sure I'm mispronouncing it. So hey, Dagan and Colin. Hope you hey, guys Matt. are having a wonderful winter season. You too, my friend. Not sure if this episode will get published before the actual day. It will. But this year will be my first Christmas as a child of divorce. Mm. I'm 18, so I'm good. But just wondering if you guys have any advice or funny stories about how you dealt with the situation. This is relevant to us because you were about Matt's age when mom and dad got divorced. You were a little younger. Yeah. I was seven. I think I had just turned seven. And yeah, it's super relevant. It's very disruptive. You're lucky that you escaped with positive <laughs> memories. <laughs> of the holiday season it's such a shame you know divorce is such a crazy thing i mean we don't want to turn this into a show about divorce but we have to, yeah, you know it's something to talk about it's such a common thing and now 
fifty percent. What do they say? Fifty percent of families. Yeah, fifty percent of fifty percent of couples. And we get know, you know, Helene and I know so many people that are, I and I know, and we both know so many people that are going through it right now and have gone through it in the last few years, and it just seems like you kind of look at everybody like, all right, like this may very well be, you know, you look at every married couple you know regardless of their age or their relationship, whether they're cousins or friends or friends of friends or colleagues. And you're just, you know, you just kind of hope for the best for everybody, you know, but it's such a prevalent thing now. There's nothing people could do about it. You know, the kids in that situation, there's really nothing you could do except hold on to those positive things. And hopefully what I always hope with divorce is that the parents maintain their responsibility and sort of their duties as parents. You know, you don't stop being a dad. You don't stop being a mom. You know, we were very lucky with that, you know, with having parents that were responsible and loving and stuff like that. But that's really what you hope for, you know, with that stuff. And my heart goes out to kids. It doesn't, and it, it, you know what? The age thing is, regard. it was really, you know, my heart always broke for you because you were such a baby. But my heart didn't break for you so much because mom and dad got divorced. It's just that you had so few years of enjoying that togetherness as a family, which is something that's, that can't be rep- replicated when once people get divorced. The family structure and the family unit is different then. You know, you sort of lament that it was such a short period, whereas I was 17. I had already enjoyed that. I was getting ready to go off to college. I was whatever I was, a senior in high school, junior in high school. And Dana was a little older. I, you know, so it doesn't, but it's it sucks. It sucks regardless, you know. And I was really curious about doing this episode, what your memories were going to be, because it is different, you know. And I think a big thing you could speak to this better but i i bet i'm willing to wager that a big part of it for you was sort of that i would imagine being pulled in two different directions because you got to be over here you got to be over here now on this you you know you sort of you have to kind of almost split yourself in half you have to be twice as many places there's twice as many people to deal with maybe mom has a boyfriend dad has a girlfriend maybe dad has a boyfriend and mom has yeah a i mean it's, well, it's it gonna be a wild <laughs> times these are heady times man <laughs> So, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, it's something that I actually, it was so normal to me that, see, that's the advantage. I've said this before. I was talking to someone about something that was going on with like a a young person in their family and about how they're going through change with their parents or whatever. And I was saying that I think that there's great advantage. She, this girl in question is younger. She's like four. And I was like, that's great. There's a great advantage to that because I couldn't tell you what was going on in 1988. I don't think I could tell you one thing that happened in 1988. Yeah. So, there comes a time where it's early enough where the cutoff doesn't mean anything. And then it's normal after that. And it wasn't until I gained hindsight and talked more about it. And we kind of became more open as a family about what happened. I mean, this is almost, you know, we're approaching 30 years ago now, which is incredible. And that is incredible. You know, it's, you know, you know, 2019 will be just, you know, it'll be 27 years. And you start to think back and reflect upon it. And, you know, yeah, we don't want to get too serious, but, I think the four of us, the four siblings, have all gone through our moments with both of our parents with anger and acceptance and who's to blame. And and I've been over that for a long time, you know, but we all had to gone through that moment and kind of worked it out. Yeah. But it wasn't until I was older. You know, I have these really silent, nostalgic moments often at night when I'm in bed. It erupts inside your chest like where you have a good feeling. And again, nostalgia is painful memories or that's what it means. And that's not what it always means in contemporary times. But that's what the word the root of the word is in Latin. And so I think back on those times and I'm like, yeah, I have a few of these fleeting memories of our parents being together, but they become more and more distant in my mind to like where I don't even believe that it existed at all. Right. You know? And the times that you're talking about, about being split apart, 
that was normal to me. So when I would, when December, mid-December would roll around, it was just a given. We were leaving. You know, I lived in New Hampshire and I lived in Maine and I lived in Massachusetts. And come December 15th or when I was in college, come December 3rd, I was out, you know, and I was going to Long Island. I mean, that's that's what happened. And that was just normal to me. But I didn't really take the time to pause. I, I guess I wasn't very sharp, really, that that wasn't normal. That wasn't the normal experience. And then I would come back a few weeks later. So I was being split apart. And it, and it makes me sad because you, Dana and Allie share a specific set of memories and bonds. And I would say especially you and Dana, but definitely Allie in that mix, too, that I do not have reference for, you know, and it's not only the neighbor Avenue era and certainly the era in Nassau County when you were very young. Yeah. But, you know, that always really bothered me because I don't think anyone thought about the non-material things that I didn't get. You know, I don't remember them because I was too young to remember them. So the little moments I have, like there's a picture of mom. I guess it was like one of my early birthdays in Marie Court where mom's standing next to me and I'm blowing out the candles on my cake. I was three or four years old. I'm like, yeah, that happened, I guess, you know, or like I remember, you know, maybe opening some presents. One of the funny memories I have when we used to host Christmas at Marie Court was Uncle Mike, who, again, is kind of like a cult figure now in our audience (laughs) from Fireside Chats. You know, I remember him buying me cowboy guns, like a rifle and these two holstered cowboy guns. I remember those. And there was like this dad had this huge brown heavy plastic barrel. Do you remember this thing? Yes. And we bring it inside to throw all of the paper into it because I think dad would then just burn it in the fireplace. Okay. He would just drag it into the living room and burn it. And I remember Uncle Mike putting me in that <laughs> and then like making letting me not letting me get out of it or something like that. You know, like I couldn't crawl my way out of it. And he was like laughing like I, rem- I have these like real, you know, I was in like the kitchen of the old house, but I don't have specific memories that are overtly positive. I remember the holidays being incredibly stressful in a way because of what you were saying where, well, you know, when grandma and grandpa were still alive and when grandma was still cognizant, we would have to go to Albertson and we'd have to go to Levittown and yeah. we'd have to be out east with dad. And then there might have been problems about who's getting who and when we get to celebrate with dad, when we get to celebrate with mom, mom and dad have to talk to each other and collaborate on gifts. And, you know, mom and dad got along as time went on, but they certainly didn't in the beginning. And so... I think Christmas kind of frankly dredges up a lot of those negative and painful memories for me, too. And I never dealt with them until I was older. And it's funny. I don't know if I'm self-diagnosing myself or it's like a little bit of, you know, self armchair psychology. But I think the reason that I wanted to live on campus at Northeastern, which was weird the entire time I was there when my friends all wanted to get off campus. The reason that I moved to San Francisco and lived in the same place for almost a decade yeah, the reason that I now live in L.A. and don't want to leave my apartment, even though it's massively expensive and there's no reason for me to be there, is because I get to stay somewhere. And I think the reason. Wow, dude, that's interesting. And I think the reason that I don't like traveling on Christmas and that I frankly have avoided it for so long. I didn't come home for, for Thanksgiving until two years ago. I'm 34 years old. Yeah. I didn't come home from for Thanksgiving from age 21 or 22 until I was 32 years old. And I think a lot of those things is because I'm like, I'm not doing this. I'm an adult and I don't have to go and do anything. I don't have to play these games anymore with you guys. I totally understand that. I never even thought of it from that perspective. And so there's there. I think that I've identified over time again, not to self-diagnose, but it's the same reason why I don't feel like I have closeness with a lot of people that aren't family anymore. There's the same reason because I'm transient. I was transient. Right. You know, and I fucking hate traveling on Christmas. I hate traveling on Thanksgiving. I think that that's the reason. And that's why I'm not doing it this year. Yeah, I I can't. I don't think anyone could blame you for that. And I think that Erin is a little confused by it, although I think I've explained it to her as well, where it's like, you know, don't you want to go home for Christmas? And I'm like, honestly, I don't. Right. And it has nothing to do with like my I love my family. It's just like those were not happy times. Yeah, you've been there and done that and you have a negative association with it. Yeah. Naturally. It's so funny, man, how wisdom works. 
you know, and hindsight works. You really don't understand. What was that? I think I was talking to I was talking to your wife about it, about how, you know, when my girlfriend broke up with me in high school, I was like fucking devastated. And I like or like when I this girl I dated, like there was a girl I dated in high school who I liked for like a couple months. We went to the movies and all this kind of stuff. I don't even remember her name. (laughs) I don't remember who she like what her name is, you know, like straight up. And I guess what I'm I bring that up because I'm like, you know, hindsight Things that mean something at the time don't mean anything anymore and vice versa. Yeah. And and with distance, you really just do learn things about yourself as you get older. It's just totally natural. Like there are just things you cannot know about yourself when you're 25 that you know about yourself when you're 34. That's so well said. And so I've come to identify that, especially with everything that happened to me with kind of funny and like my old business and that kind of betrayal that I felt like I went through. It kind of fed into that. And I've been talking about that with my therapist, actually, not that specific sequence, but about how he's like, why are you so alien? Like, why do you alienate yourself from people? Like, why don't you want to be around anyone? Why? And it's because, like, I don't trust situations or people. And I think it I think it all goes back to like whenever I do, someone lets me down. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you feel, yeah, you're afraid of that getting, you know, of that being disappointed. Merry Christmas from the Moriarty's. Well, that's, you know, that's, which is, hey, by the way, a joke in our family. That when, really is. When someone says something dire or dour, like at the, you know, around Christmas time, everyone's like, oh, happy Merry Christmas from the Merry Moriarty's. Christmas happy Easter the Moriarty. from the Moriarty's. <laughs> yeah, whatever that yeah. time is, whatever yeah. that holiday is. <laughs> that's true. I love that. So that got a little deep there, but that's kind of where I stand. But on. that's your association with it. And you know what's funny about that, Kyle, too? I mean, really what. What it is, is by the time everything happened where mom and dad split up, you were of that age, you know, six going on seven, seven years old, where that's really generally when a kid starts remembering things. So your your memories previous to that were so limited because of your age. You know, I, I think about that with our, our gramps, who you never knew, who passed away when I was six. I have so few memories of him. I do have some. Who's our great? Who's our? Who's our? our, I'm sorry. My our mom's grandfather. Right. Exactly. Our our great grandfather, James Doherty, awesome guy. He was he was amazing, and he was in love with our sister Allie because Allie was about one years old when he passed. But I always related to that because I, as a six year old, I have so few memories of him. Although I have some, and I would like to have more, but it's just that I was of that age where my memories weren't building up yet. So that your memories, you know, of of the holidays and other things, you weren't really building that up yet. You know, mom and dad split up when you were of that age. So you can't help that. That's just your association with it. You know, you kind of got to run with that and, and deal with that. And I don't think anybody could ever blame you for that. It's weird to just reflect, you know, and be like, well, why did you go to California and then just stay like just totally away from everyone? Everyone else is totally together except for you. Yeah. And I think a lot of it is a control situation for me where I'm like, I have total control now. It makes sense. You know? As for as close as our family is, and I'm really proud and prideful of the Moriarty's and the Ruggiero's and everyone associated with us being as close as we are. We're not very close to our dad's side of the family, although we've become closer to them as we've gotten older, I think. Or at least I have, and I've gotten to know them a little bit better. But we've always been as close to the Italian side of our family, which is why we identify so much as Italian, even though we're basically only half Italian. Right. And the situation as it stands is just that, yeah, a lot. so this time of year, I don't look forward to it. You know, I, I just don't. Like, I, I look forward to it more now because there are six nieces and nephews who are really excited about this time of year and excited to get gifts and to see the family. And I get excited to see the family, but it does bring up a lot of pain. Like, I almost wish this time of year never came sometimes. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You could, I, you know, that's Merry Christmas. Social, Merry Christmas from the Moriarty's. Yeah. Merry Christmas from the Moriarty's. <laughs> Let's get more into the questions here, if we might. Freak out is the way I've, I've named this one. Okay. Andrew Mendoza said, did you ever have a freak out moment as a kid after getting something super awesome that you weren't expecting? 
Did you ever see the N64 yeah, that, kit on YouTube? Yeah, and what's so great about that is that that's like in the pre... Well, the internet existed at that time, but that's in like the pre-viral video or video... Like someone was smart enough to export that. That's like one of the original viral videos. It really is. Yeah, so that's what he's talking about here where the kid, the kid's screaming because oh he's getting an N64. God. It's a great video. Probably 20, 20 oh years old. Oh, my God. The, like it's, oh, my God. So Can you ever imagine being that excited about an N64? Would, was, well, did you? Do you remember ever getting that worked up? No. Or excited? No, not that excited because I, I pretty much got what I asked for. Yeah. I mean, dude, I remember all I wanted were G.I. Joe's and video games. That's it. Right. And maybe the occasional like turtle or some random toy that I want, you know, coveted for a minute. But sure, I was getting what I asked for. You know, it was I would get, you know, probably 10 G.I. Joe action figures, a few vehicles, maybe a game or two. I very rarely remember getting something that I didn't expect. That's a really good point. I never thought about it that way before. And you were very much like me, especially when we were little with toys and video games. We were very specific about what we wanted. We made a list. We wanted this, this and this figure. We wanted this playset. We wanted this vehicle. We wanted this video game. I, I know for myself, I was very much like that. You know, I was a very wanty kid. You know, I wanted a lot of stuff. Now, I think about my son, Graydon, my youngest. He's the exact opposite. And we talked about, I talked about this before with you, but I don't know if I ever mentioned it on the show. He just doesn't, he's just not the type that wants for anything. He doesn't collect anything. He loves video games. He loves Mega Man. He's passionate about things, Legos he loves. But he's not the type to really say, oh, I need to get... You know, I'm collecting Ninja Turtles. I need every single one. I want to get Transformers. You know, I need every single one of these of Star Wars. And I think the only way you could really be surprised or have that N64-ish reaction on Christmas is if you're like Graydon, where you could actually legit be surprised by a gift. Because like you said, it's perfectly said. I never thought about it that way. We weren't surprised. We knew what we were asking for. You know, we might have not got, we might have asked for 19 things. We only got 17, you know, so there was a couple of things we didn't get maybe, but we knew what we were going to get. Yeah, no, exactly. And I feel like the pretenses just slowly eroded away where like, you know, I'm like, I'm pretty sure that that's mom's handwriting on the, on the tag. <laughs> we got to talk about that too. Yeah. And, and I remember I, one of the clear memories I have is of Allie and Dana wrapping my presents in mom and dad's bedroom when I was just there. I, I was probably like seven, you know, because I, re I remember that, you know, G.I. Joe's, you would have, you know, the bubble on the front, the card. So if you put them together, you can make like a box. Absolutely. And that's the way that they used to wrap my G.I. Joe's. I remember that. And I remember them just sitting. I knew exactly what I was getting. Like, I remember just being there. I don't know if I was supposed and to be And you were there. seven. Well, it was probably, yeah. I mean, mom and dad were still together, so I couldn't have been any older than that. So the, so the jig was up by then. You All know? right. So Santa ended for you the Santa wonder. I think Tim was probably the person that ended it for me. Oh, he who was did. My best. Well, that's what I was saying earlier is that Tim, who was my best friend growing up, who lived down the street, he had two older brothers. Yes. So... So I'm, I'm pretty sure that that's how it happened. But I remember being a party to my own presence being wrapped that year. Like, I remember that clear as wow. day because I remember one of them was a Night Creeper. I wanted which was a Cobra. I remember G.I. Joe. I want I wanted that so bad. And I, I saw it. I got I was like, yes. Yeah, that's cool. You know, it was like, exciting. So, you know, there were I didn't not that I saw everything that year, but I remember so vividly the outline of what an NES box looked like, the outline of what an SNES box looked like and how. You know, one is kind of vertical, one is horizontal, even though you can kind of trick them. One's a little thicker, one's a little thinner. Yeah. So you can kind of identify the game, the Game Boy game, for instance. And then I remember also being excited by the big packages, which one year was like, I didn't, get, I never got the USS flag or whatever, but I got a huge play set, like a huge Cobra play set. That was really exciting. And then I remember the things that you couldn't really identify, like... Or the things that you didn't ask for that you ended up getting anyway, like some sort of toy, which was fine, you know? Yeah, yeah, something random that might be thrown into the lot. Right, exactly. So it was always exciting to try to figure that out. And, you know... So you were done with Santa by, like, first grade. Yeah, probably. Yeah. See, I went all the way to fourth grade. Is that too late? 
I think it's really late. I think I remember specifically my third grade Christmas. I didn't believe, but I was sort of carrying on the charade, you know, the charade, you know, mostly because I had a, I had a sister that was five years younger than me at that time. So I have, I was sort of probably carrying it on for her. I think Dana actually stopped, who's a year, our sister, who's a year and a half younger than me, stopped believing before I did. Third grade, I was sort of carrying it on. Fourth grade, I remember having the conversation with mom. I remember where I was standing with her. I remember where I was in the house and being like, look, like reasoning with her and not knowing. I remember really specifically not knowing what her reaction was going to be. And I remember sort of walking on eggshells like, look, like I really don't believe anymore. I don't want you to be upset. And she was just like totally. I remember her being really tender about it. Like she was like, it's cool. It's totally fine. Don't worry. It's great. You know, just make sure you keep up the charade, you know, the shenanigans for your sister type of thing, you know, because she still believes and everything. She was very sweet about it. But I remember having that very tangible worry, that very palpable worry of like, you know, I have to admit this to my mom now, you know, I had to come out. I had to come out and admit it. And I was in, yeah, I was in fourth grade. And I think that is old. I think that was probably pretty old. I think it might have been the last one of my friends. <laughs> but I have to say back then, we didn't talk about it. I think when you're that age, you're kind of going through that very tender age where you're kind of growing up a little bit, third, fourth, fifth, sixth grade, where it's kind of just better not to talk about it. You know, let's just kind of, pres- maybe we were just trying to preserve the wonder a little bit, or at least I was, I know my personality. You know, where you kind of want to just hang on to that a little longer. Now, does, does Graydon still believe? Graydon still believes, but he, Lilia doesn't. Lilia outed herself this year. And now my, my oldest, Lilia, she's in sixth grade. She just came out officially this year and was like, it's over. You know, I can't keep doing this, you know, type right. of thing. Where, you know, you would assume maybe last year she was kind of getting out of it. But the thing with her is she's not really hiding it. Like she's being a little too overt with it, where I think Graydon's gonna notice. And Graydon's also friends; he's in first grade. It's but probably it's probably kind of time for him to second grade. Sorry, yeah, he's in second grade. I was gonna say it's probably kind of time for him to. <laughs> no, I mean it. I'm not even being facetious. It's kind of kind of maybe time. And for him he's to got know. friends in his grade yeah. saying it. You know, he has like the thing. He's like not paying attention to what they're saying on purpose. But he, he's. It's not going to be long now. How do you feel about this idea? I don't know if we talked about it on this show. I read about it. Maybe I don't really remember. I can't remember anything anymore. I wonder why. But the. <laughs> I read somewhere that there's this idea that you should immediately tell your kid. Like, I don't like this. That like the, this idea that like it's actually kind of fucked up to like go. But I, I don't know how I feel about that where it's like I guess the argument being like just level with the kid. Just be like this is a time of year for family and we have these traditions and there's these symbols and Santa Claus represents something. It represents, you know, glee and, and excitement, but it's not real. I'm buying you your gifts. Yeah. You're going to find out eventually. Yeah. It's the fucking Internet age and all this kind of stuff is probably everyone's probably finding out much younger than ever. How do you feel about that, about like kind of dispelling it immediately? I completely don't go for this at all. But you've you know, heard of this before? Or you read I've about definitely this? heard of this before. Yeah. I know people, I won't name names. I know people that are, you know, adults 25 years older than me that went through this with their kids and now believe that it should, that you shouldn't do this. It's lying. You know, for me, and you know, I have to preface this by saying, you guys already know me a little bit. You know, I'm the biggest 45 year old kid you've ever met. You know, I'm the, just a kid at heart. And what's wrong with preserving? It's not lying in a negative way or in a malicious way. It's making up something that's a story or a fairy tale in order to preserve some type of wonder, you know, in order to give them joy. You know, it's the opposite of a bad lie. So for me personally, I really do feel like that's complete bullshit. Like, why not give your kids the best experience? Has anybody in the history of Christmas grown up to hate their parents for lying about Santa Claus? I mean, has anybody ever? That's yeah, like, it. Like I mean, complete resentment. Like, 
how dare you lied to me for the past seven years and never spoke to that doesn't that's not a thing everybody uh, no because when you're old enough to be in third grade and you understand why even a third grader understands why they were lying because they were trying to do something kind for you you know no one's ever grown up mad at that that should be the proof that it's okay to tell your kids there's a Santa Claus. I can't, uh, maybe there is something else, but I can't think of anything else that society collectively does where everyone's in on it. Like where it's a thing where like you don't really, like I, I'm not going to run through the mall and scream out on the line of people waiting to sit on Santa Claus. That, that that's just a man in a suit. <laughs> you stupid Santa. fucking kids. Like everyone's in, I can't think of anything else where it's like everyone's in on it. I love that point. That is a great point. That It's really, it's true though. Like, and even commercials are really, no, like, no one's spoiling it. No like, one's spoiling it. On Sunday Night Football, they're not saying, you know, Chris Collinsworth isn't coming out with some snarky-ass comment about how Santa's not real. <laughs> oh, like, by the way. You know, everyone, <laughs> everyone's in on it. That's a fantastic point. I love that. I mean, a lot of that could also be sort of chalked up to commercialization, money. Yeah, there's always, there's always an ulterior motive. But you're right. That's that underlying thing that I always say about humanity. Like, humanity could look so shitty- but I truly do believe, maybe I'm an, a, a little bit of, too much of an optimist, but I do believe there's a really sincere heart beating underneath humanity. I think sometimes humanity can get really ugly, but underneath it all, I think that heart exists. And I think that's a perfect way of, that's, that's a perfect demonstration of that. Brandon Hardman wrote into us related to Hardman for Mega Man 3 and said, oh. was there anything you hated about the holidays as a kid that you now enjoy as an adult? Or vice versa. Okay. So anything you hated about the holidays as a kid that you now enjoy or vice versa. It kind of started for me earlier. Like I liked getting up early and then I didn't like getting up early. And now I could care less if we exchange gifts at all. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) How about you? (laughs) I'm trying to think. You know what? I'll tell you one thing that I hated. This is such such a funny little anecdote, but I hated as a kid. Mom, you know, as, as we mentioned, mom and dad would usually entertain on Christmas. Mom did a lot of cooking on Christmas morning, and I hated the smell of frigging cooking mushrooms. It, it was the, and Helene has the same memory of that, which is funny. My wife says the same thing. She hated the smell of cooking mushrooms. It made me sick to my stomach. When I was really little, I'm talking about like six, seven, eight, and I love mushrooms now. So look at that. I love mushrooms too. Isn't that? <laughs> <laughs> Hey now. Oh. Hey now. And you know what else? I, I would probably say there was probably a time period in my life where, you know, talk about being late in high school, college student, young adult, off on your own. Christmas morning sort of become during that age, and you'll have you'll you'll recognize this too, Kyle. It sort of becomes at that age, it's like, ah, you know, you kind of lose the spirit of it and you're kind of over it. And it's not, you know, that that luster is kind of gone and you're not really looking forward to anything. You just that you're at that stage of your life. But when you have kids back in your life, like you're saying with your nieces and nephews and myself with my own my nieces and nephews as well and my children, that's really the thing that brings Christmas back around full circle, I think, is that joy and that wonder and the anticipation and the, the excitement that the kids have. So that's really cool because I remember going through that period of being a young adult. You know, I was in my early 20s. I was living in Connecticut. I was living in California. I was just starting my animation career. It's like you almost can't be bothered. And I think having those kids in your life again, sort of, you know, you you were a little older. You were already a teenager. So it was like you didn't really have that sort of foothold into what the joys of Christmas were about. And I think it was all it's all about the kids. 
It's all about the kids, my friend. That, that, that brings Christmas around full circle. So I remember losing that thread and sort of gaining it back again as, you know, children came into my life again, you know. Makes sense. Now let's get to the meat and the heart of the matter here, shall we? Sure. Cameron O'Neill wrote in. Please. And said, hi, guys. Hope all is well with you two. Perhaps my most memorable and scarring childhood memory <laughs> is when I got stuck in the Christmas tree. The year was 1996. Oh, I was a mere four years old and my older cousins were all over for Christmas. The entire day, they had been torturing me and chasing me around the house. I became desperate and saw my only chance at relief was by climbing into the 12 foot tall Christmas tree where my cousins couldn't find or reach me. Much to my surprise, when I leaped into the tree off the couch, I became wedged between the branches and realized I couldn't touch the ground or wiggle my way out. My father, who seemed more concerned about the ornaments than me, had to take a hacksaw and carve me out. Not only did the tree sap stick in my hair for weeks, I now associate the pine tree smell with the claustrophobic thoughts. Love the show and keep up the good work. Dagan, I will let you be the objective observer of our story about this. Please. If you want to tell the story. You, what, would you like me to? Well, you're an objective observer. I can tell you my version of it. I think I would like I still to, deny that it ever happened. I would like to. I think it's, I think it's good that you tell the story, story about this. So this is the best story ever. This must have been 1990, 1989. Yeah. Yeah. 89, say. So like I was five maybe five or six. And well, we used to go to my grandma and grandpa's house in Albertson on Long Island, and they had a beautiful Christmas tree with a bunch of beautiful ornaments, probably some antique ornaments. My grandpa was very serious about his ornaments, very serious about the decorations. And, you know, I was just so it's claimed I was walking around the the house and went and was like wiggling behind the tree and the Christmas. I tipped the Christmas tree over and the Christmas tree basically started to fall. And this is still a story that is told in my family to this oh, day. Oh, we were just telling it last week. And my grandpa runs into that, uh, totally unconcerned about me or anything else that's going on, and is going, my balls, my balls, my balls. talking about his, <laughs> his, ornaments. His, his ornaments or whatever. And he's just screaming, my, my old Italian grandma just screaming about his balls <laughs> as like everyone's trying to save the tree. And Uncle Mike especially loves this story because he insists that I denied that I did it, <laughs> even though it could have only been me. <laughs> Like, that's his favorite part of the story. That, that is the best. Dude, and I was just telling you, unbelievably, me and mom were just talking about this a couple of weeks ago at Thanksgiving. Mom has a picture of it. And I didn't believe her. And she, sure enough, she got out the picture. It's her and dad laying on the ground trying to hold up the tree. And Uncle Mike and Aunt Joni on the other side, try all four of them trying to hold the tree. You're nowhere to be seen in this picture. I remember this like it was yesterday. I mean, it was the funniest thing. <laughs> It was the funniest thing ever of grandpa just yelling, my balls, my balls. <laughs> and you got, we have to say, our, grandf- our grandpa was so into Christmas. He was so into Christmas and decorating for Christmas. Decorating the outside, but especially the inside of the house, he would take these, re- he would do these really ornate things where he would take a mirror. Do you remember this? Yeah. The- and he would put it down on the, you know, the top of the piece of furniture, like, a, like an armoire. And he would pepper it with like, just so with cotton balls and make this like snowy landscape. And then he would take little figurines of ice skaters and, you know, like the mirror was the ice skating rink and he would set it all up with lights and there was moving things and animatronic thing, right? He would did the whole thing just so everything was so meticulously, you know, plotted out and lit and everything like that. And he was the same way with the tree and his ornaments. And here comes Colin. Here comes Colin. <laughs> I'll never forget it. I can't believe we have a picture of it. Hopefully we'll be able to scan it and show it to you guys. I got to find it. But that, oh, that's the best. The yeah, best. that's a fun, that's a funny the piece my of Moriarty balls story. My balls. <laughs> Frog Lantern wrote into us. Kyle Principato also had a similar question, but we'll go with Frog Lanterns. He says, what is the second best Christmas song of all time? Seeing as how Christmas rapping by the waitresses absolutely trounces all contenders for the number one spot. 
You fucking nailed it, by the way, because it absolutely does. I can't know if I can argue with I, that. It's so funny, too, because I was in a silent Uber on the way here, and there was a Christmas, he was at the, this guy at the Christmas station on, and they played The Waitresses, and I was like, oh, yeah. I was like, can you put this up? And he's like, oh, I'm like, this is the best Christmas song. The best Christmas song. I don't know if I can think of a better one than that, actually. That's a great pull. I have, of course, you're such a music guy. I wanted to make sure we talked about Christmas music and what our favorite was. I really think for me, the Charlie Brown Christmas soundtrack, that whole thing, is probably my favorite Christmas music. So nostalgic for me. I love the Nightmare Before Christmas soundtrack too, but that's a great pull. Now, what about a bad Christmas song, Kyle? Or what about one that you just can't stand? Can you think of any? You know, it could be an old, really old song or one from the eighties. Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer always bothered me yeah, just because a, it's so one. overplayed. Ugh. And why is it so complicated to tell the story about this? First of all. I have so many problems with this story. <laughs> Santa Claus is flying the sleigh with these reindeer without any lights, without any guidance at all. And then suddenly realizes he has a reindeer, some sort of genetically mutated reindeer with a glowing nose. And the reindeer is now at the head of the pot. What was he doing before R- Rudolph? No one ever. This isn't explained Good at all. And Good why point. is everyone? Why are these reindeer so hostile to each other? Oh, they're so mean. It, it doesn't but, seem like it captures the Christmas spirit to me at all, that song. And that was another one of the songs that was on yesterday where I was like, why does this take four minutes to tell this story? And why are there kids singing in this song as well? <laughs> Depending on the version you're listening to or whatever. They only embraced Rudolph finally because of what he could give to them. Exactly. That is the opposite of the Christmas spirit. It's exactly right. Aye, aye, aye. That, and I was telling you that I, for the first time in that same car ride, this car ride was quite revolutionary. In that same car ride, I... <laughs> listen to the lyrics for the Grinch song for the first time and how I don't know why like I was saying like I know the cadence of the song when it's on you know the dun 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 dun. you know like everyone knows it but I was like actually listening to it the whole song and I'm like wow this is really well written awesome it really is very clever so I like that I have a new appreciation for that song I like that you appreciate that talk to me about some of your music though Uh, uh, do you have anything else that you want to throw in there you know what I would like what for music yeah I'll tell you a Christmas song I hate. Please. Because I already told you my favorites. We were just talking about last night. That Wham song. What is it called? Oh, Last, last Christmas? Christmas? Yeah, you're, Dude, you're totally, you're absolutely incredible. I'm in the minority with that oh, one. Oh, you're nuts. Not only is that song good, that video is awesome. It, but look at it this way. Okay. Someone says, let's listen to Christmas music, right? Someone's really jazzed about listening to Christmas music. They put it on. That's going to be played in the first three songs every single time. You walk into a mall with, you know, Target a mall, whatever, an Uber, right? Whatever. They're playing Christmas music, that song's coming on. It's like a radio station, whatever, in your car. It's too much. I could take Jingle Bells, just don't play that friggin' Wham song. I can't. You know, and I'm not a Scrooge type. You know, I'm not I'm not like that. I like Christmas. Christmas is great. But yeah, that for me, that Wham song, man, I get so annoyed when I hear it. Caleb Hager wrote into us. Joshua Anderson also had a similar question, but we will go with Caleb. He said, good day, gents. I have great memories of the holidays from making sugar cookies with my mom, playing Mortal Kombat with my dad, constructing holiday blanket forts with my sister. One of my fun. Mortal Kombat. (laughs) Very festive. Very festive. One of my fondest memories, though, is watching a Christmas story over and over and over again because of the 24 hour marathon they put on, which also made it my favorite Christmas movie. I knew this Curious about your guys' favorite Christmas or holiday movies. Great. Dagan. Great question. What are your favorite Christmas movies? First of all, let's talk about Christmas story. I knew this was coming. Okay. Where do you stand on this movie? It's hard to separate what it is from what it means to Americana. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I'm generally, I could be fine never seeing this movie ever again. I think it's totally overdone and overplayed and a little annoying personally. But It's just, yeah, completely overrated. 
wouldn't you say? Yes. First of all, I re- I knew this was coming because so many people hold this movie near and dear. And I will say, I don't hate this movie. I don't hate it. It's fine. But I first of all, I can't believe this movie came out in 1983. I feel like this movie's been out since like the 1800s. <laughs> I, what? 83? Is that real? I don't know. Maybe my research I is didn't know. No, I believe it. But I just can't. I, this movie, I feel like I've seen this movie. This is the movie that I've seen. The, this is the movie that I never wanted to see that I've seen the most in my entire life. And I'm not just talking about the marathons. It's just like year after year after year after year after year. Listen, I love you guys. Okay, I know a lot of people out there love this show. I love you guys. This movie is not funny. I said it. I said it. This movie is not funny. It's no, not a funny movie. No. It's not funny. It's fine. It's actually more entertaining than funny, but I don't think this movie is funny. And I'm so glad it got brought up. I needed to expunge that. I needed to yeah, sort get of it off your chest. cleanse myself. Get it off my chest. Get it off your chest. And you know what's really funny about it? Hmm. You know, Ralphie is telling this story as an adult, and he's sort of narrating it and looking back on this Christmas when he was a 9 or 10-year-old. If this movie came out in 1983, I was a 9 or 10-year-old. So I should have. this movie should have really spoken to me, but I always hated it. I, 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 I'm saying I hated it. I always didn't get it. I didn't get the hype because this movie was not the type of movie to get a little more shine later on or sort of make, gain or obtain a cult audience as time passed. It was like I felt like this movie was a cult hit from the moment it dropped and people always loved it. And I just never I never understood it. Do you consider Die Hard a Christmas movie? This is always an argument this that people is. have. And I think it's absurd to consider Die Hard a Christmas movie just because it takes place during, you know, Christmas. during Christmas. And it has like Christmas music blaring through the right. right through the building or whatever. You know what, Kyle? I haven't seen it in so long. I know this argument. I know this is a very real thing. I see people discussing it. It's so funny that Die Hard is considered a Christmas movie. Isn't that weird? Is there any other ones? Home Alone. That's considered Home Alone is my movie. favorite Christmas movie. Okay, that's so a legit Christmas movie. That's your favorite, and that's kind of my, of my generation. I yeah. was six or seven when Home Alone came out, and you consider that a Christmas movie? Absolutely. Okay, both of them are Christmas movies. Yeah, two as well. Because the family abandons him once because it happens at Christmas. They're going on a Christmas trip. He celebrates Christmas by himself. It's a Christmas movie. I mean, absolutely. Okay, all right, all right. I I was really curious about your favorite Christmas movie, and you know what, Home Alone, I wasn't even thinking about. I think Home Alone. I think we've said this in the past, but I think Home Alone is a legitimately good movie. If not a great movie. Very good movie. It's awesome. It's Very funny as hell. It's sadistic as shit. <laughs> it really is. I mean, we've talked, I think we've discussed this in the past, so I don't want to be rote about it, but Kevin McAllister straight up murders those dudes. Oh, like, oh, and it's no surprise that when they see him in New York City in the second one, that they want to murder him. They want to kill him. <laughs> They're like, yeah, kid. And he dead. gets it even worse. I think he drops like bricks on their heads in New York City, like off of like 10 story He's buildings. Doing all and kinds of, yeah. How paint are they, cans and, yeah paint cans slipping like they step on nails <laughs> and a, a hot iron hits them in the head a bowling ball I think it's pretty brutal we laugh about it now and I think maybe we're overplaying it a little bit but I don't know that you can get away with making a movie like Home Alone and aiming it towards children anymore I wonder if it's like kind of it's pretty violent like it's violent they grab the hot handle of the door and burn their hands on it slip on ice and hit their heads on the stairs it, like it's it's unbelievable up. it's like slapstick it's like a real it's like awesome. a live action cartoon and it, every kid awesome. every kid wanted to like recreate Kevin McAllister's That's like the thing. thing. It was a, it's a fantasy. You know, it's a fantasy about fighting bad guys and mm-hmm. being by yourself and being, you know, clever enough to devise these plans to defend yourself against these Shoots dangerous Shoots him with a BB dudes. gun, I think. Like, that's yeah, all. he's got the BB gun. <laughs> yeah. That's one of his weapons. My favorite Christmas movie of all time that's not animated, we'll talk about some animated stuff in a little bit if we have time, I would love to, is my favorite live action Christmas movie is It's a Wonderful Life. This is one of those movies I can never get tired of watching. 
it's a sentimental film. And, I, you know, we talked about this on the show before about sentimental versus not sentimental, especially in film. And is it a good thing or a bad thing? But it's just such a beautiful movie. It has a beautiful message. Jimmy Stewart, I mean, th- that man could carry any movie, you know, directed by one of the all-time greats, Frank Capra. And just really, you know, we won't, this time sh- we're not going to do a whole thing about It's a Wonderful Life. But if you guys haven't seen this movie, this is the one thing I would say on this whole show that we're going to talk about. I would say, check this out. It's going to be on TV a bunch of times. I'm sure it's already airing. Even cut up, you know, I, if you could watch its original, because I think this movie runs pretty long. If you could watch the original uncut version, it's great. But even the televised version with commercials, just check it out. It's such a great film. You know, it's such a feel-good film. And it's very relatable. You know, even though it takes place in the mid-60s, it was made in the mid-60s, it takes place in the mid-60s. It's, uh, 40s rather, sorry. In the mid-40s, 1946. It's so, you know, Jimmy Stewart and Donna Reed, there's just a warmth and sort of a timelessness about this film that I don't even know if they can make a film like this anymore. You know, it was so, and it's so sophisticated for its time, you know, as far as the filming and the, and the look and feel and filming on locations and really just awesome. Definitely my favorite. Yeah, definitely a good pull. What's the other one? Miracle on... Miracle on 34th Street. Yeah, is that, that's a Christmas movie, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. About Santa Claus. I don't, th- yeah, I don't think I've seen that one in a long time, so I don't even think I remember what it's about. I haven't seen that in a while either. But there's a lot of good pulls and there's some good comedies and you know I know people love Elf and Bad Santa and all those. I'm not I never saw I, Bad I'm Santa. not really I don't think I have either. I'm not really into the I'm not really into the I, I think Elf is like super overrated personally. Yeah, okay, I was going to ask you. I like Will Ferrell. I think he's super funny. He's great. And you know when John Favreau went out to set out to make Elf, they were really setting out to try to make the next Christmas story. He was really setting out to do that and he did. I mean, this movie is already held up as like the Christmas film to watch. You know, in such a short time, it kind of gained that stature, which is really interesting. I'm not a huge fan of it either. I really like Will Ferrell and I like James Caan. I think he's very funny. But there's something about the movie. It's just, I don't know. The whole cast is great. You know, the whole cast of the film is so awesome. But yeah, something about the movie doesn't doesn't speak to me like as, you know. Like a miracle on 34th Street or It's a Wonderful Life, you know, those classics. Well, let's begin wrapping it up. But before we do, please, and I want to make sure we get everything you want to talk about as well. Okay. There's one other thing that I wanted to ask you about. Please, my friend. Let me see if I can find the question here. Actually, there's two things I want to touch on. Will Hahn wrote into us and said, hi, Colin and Dagan. Hope you are both doing well. Typically on every Christmas, my mom and dad make it a tradition to first sit in the living room and open presents one by one from youngest to oldest. Then my dad cooks us a nice big breakfast and we usually go see a movie in the afternoon. Christmas for me was never about the gifts, but always about the little tradition with my whole family. My question for you both. Do you have any holiday traditions that you do everywhere or that you used to do when you were young? Thanks for the great content, guys. I want to just take one piece of this question because we've talked about a lot of this already. Okay. Do you remember... Opening presents in order. Yes, I was going to talk about this with you. And then I would end up having to open like two or three presents at a time. <laughs> because the things I were getting were just cheaper. Right. You know, so but, you had to double up. Right. Double and triple. I loved that. You know, so what Colin's saying is we one by one. We went one by one. The four of us. It was my turn to open a present. Then Dana, then Allie, then Colin, whatever order it was in. And then so on and so forth. So we cycled. So that was our way of sort of savoring it and also watching, making sure we paid attention when everybody else was opening and kind of sharing in their joy. Very nice tradition. But Colin already ha- always had that big stack because we were getting older. We were getting more expensive things, whatever it was, clothes or a skateboard or video games. And he was still getting toys. So his pile was tremendous. Plus, he was the favorite, so he right. had, 
was twice as big. So that that's a great. I would I would have said the same thing as you. Perfect. That is one of the memories I have, and it it is fun, and it is fun to watch what other people are getting. And I have to say too that we were polite enough, and I think taught enough as at a young age to always be excited when someone gave you something and to always be thankful and stuff like that. And I remember always being a little disappointed when I was very young about getting clothes and stuff like that from like our family. Sure. Absolutely. And then I was like later on amped up like when I was in high school and I would get like button downs and jeans and stuff like I appreciated, you know, and Carl and Uncle Mike especially almost never gave us toys or anything like that. They would give us money sometimes, but they would often give us like clothes. And I remember, you know, candidly when I was, you know, when you're five, six, seven, you don't want clothes. And but, you know, you thank you, you give say thank you and you give them a kiss and stuff like that. Yeah. But then I remember the same thing happening as I got older. You know, we don't exchange presents like that anymore. But like when I was 12, 13, 14 and they would give me like a button down and you know, or a jersey or whatever the case might be. And I'd be like, yeah, this is great. And you were psyched. Yeah, exactly. So Isn't it's it funny how that came full circle. That change happens. You know, but can you remember that though? Like yeah. getting clothes when you were like yeah. six years old, it was like the worst. It's, it is kind of, I don't know how I feel about it. Like I like being the cool uncle, you know, and we were talking at the, with the family about how I re- had this revelation with your kids that I'm their only uncle, you know, they're only, yeah, yeah they're only blood uncle. Really. Yeah, I'm yeah. really their only uncle. And, aunts. and yeah, they have all these, they have just a bunch of aunts. Yeah. And so I want you know, I always try to get them cool stuff and I got, you know, Lilia some manga and I got Declan or Declan. I got Graydon his, you know, a, a, that Pokemon game on Switch, yeah. right, which we talked about earlier that I didn't realize the Switch got taken away. <laughs> but I always try to like, you know, with the boys, you know, the 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 Wozniaks, Dana's kids, Dana's three boys are the easiest to shop for because I often would just get them big gifts and they would all share them. Right. Yeah, so yeah. I, I got them a PS3. I got them a PS4. I got them a Switch. They were really easy to shop for a little different this time. But I always wonder, like, what if I sauntered in and just gave them all clothes? Like, I think that there has to. It's a nice thought, especially now. Yeah, exactly. It's a nice thought. And I'm not trying to, you know, rake anyone over the coals. But I think that you have to be mindful of that, too. Like, if you're dealing with a six year old, they don't want to open. They want to open a toy. Yeah. You know, they don't want a new sweater. Isn't that funny that people were so misguided with giving kids, you know, like it's out of the goodness of their heart, but it's like it's misguided because then it's almost a gift for the parent. Yes, exactly. Because you and I have had this conversation, right, where I'm like, I'm not convinced at all that any of these kids want to talk to me on their birthday. So I don't call them. (laughs) They're just like, because I remember being fucking seven and not wanting to talk to anyone. on the Don't you remember that feeling? I had this, you know, I was making, I was cracking mom up on the phone because I was like, listen, Declan's old enough now where we have a conversation. By the way, Declan sounds like a man. Oh, I, he really, wait till you I don't know what him. the hell happened to him. But anyway, nonetheless, <laughs> he's a man, man. He's a man. man. <laughs> and I got him a bunch of vinyl for Christmas. So I'm excited to give them to him. Well, he's kind of an old soul. So he appreciates music from the 80s and 90s. No, he no, he definitely does. Although Dana made sure to tell me that he doesn't like 311. So thank you for that. Because <laughs> I was like, maybe I'll get him a transistor. And she's like, you just, please don't. <laughs> don't do. So, you know, it, it's one of those situations where you want to leave them alone because I I always like I feel like a, a negligent uncle or, you know, sometimes with the kids, with all of them, I see your kids more than the others. But, you know, I just try to put myself in their place and I just don't want to talk to anyone. I don't want to talk to anyone now. So when I was seven, I don't want to talk to anyone. Oh, and my so, God. I remember that feeling so distinctly. So once they reach like double digit age is when I actually start acknowledging them as an adult, you know, and because I call you on your birthday, I call Dana on our birthday. And now I call Declan on his birthday and Lily is going to get, you know, is it going to be next up or they've start... come of age? Now. Right, exactly. Because like what, what Graydon and I are going to talk like really think about it. No, Graydon and I are going to have a phone conversation. Graydon won't have a conversation if he's sitting on the couch next. To I him. know he's so, just over it. So that's what that's the point I'm trying to say. So you understand <laughs> what I'm saying? Absolutely. Like you're doing it for the parents and I refuse to do that. Well if said. you think I'm a bad uncle because I'm not calling your kid. That's very well said because the kid is five. 
<laughs> and and you ever have it like it happens all the time. It happened when I I was FaceTiming with everyone on Thanksgiving when you were there. Mom had the phone up in her fucking face. The <laughs> kids are screaming in the background. Derek's cracking a joke in the background about everything that's going on. Larry's sitting there watching football. It's Uncle chaos. Mike, Uncle Mike doesn't want to be bothered because the Cowboys are on. <laughs> yeah, it's like complete. It's like why would I want to call it's into chaos. this? It's chaos. But you, you did. You were brave. You were intrepid. No, I and well, I also wanted to talk to all of you about the gifts that I needed to get your kids. Oh, right, right. But this, this, so I really didn't want to talk to you guys at all. And I talked <laughs> to you and, and I talked to you enough. But that's true. But the situation as it stands, like, I don't know. I would love to hear from others about this because I really feel like I'm doing the right thing by these kids. Because you got that awkward conversation. It's like, you know, it's like me on the other end, mm. like, talk to Uncle Kyle, like, <laughs> you know, answer Uncle Kyle. And he's talking, you know, it's like yeah. he, the parents trying to coach the kid. Right. The kid's not really interested. Exactly. The person on the other line's trying to be like vibrant enough to get the kid's attention. <laughs> It's like, no, I'm not putting myself through that cringe fest awkwardness. Sorry, it's not happening. So and I'm not doing it for the benefit of the parent. That's again, it's it's just telegraphing. Yeah. You know, so no, I say no. I like it, Kyle. Take a stand. And you know what? There's the promise of coming of age and then doing it then. And everybody could look forward to that. I think I don't think you care at all that I don't talk to your kids much when I don't see them. But I think it bothers Dana and Allie probably a little bit. And I, I consider myself a negligent uncle in some respects. But to what end? You know, to what end am I having a conversation with these children on the phone? <laughs> don't you guys remember? Don't they remember? I remember that. I do remember that. Holy shit. That's the worst part of your birthday. It's awful. When we were growing up and even when you were growing up, we didn't have Facebook or texting or cell phones or anything like that or d- DMing. You had to call. You know right, what I mean? Right. You had to call. So, you know, you would hear from aunt so-and-so that you haven't seen since last Christmas. You heard, the, you heard from them once. And even though you were on the phone for 30 seconds... It felt like an eternity. It was, the, and it was, it did, and it was the most awkward thirty seconds. Here. What are you gonna, What are you saying to each other? <laughs> it's awful. What am I gonna? Am I gonna? I'm, I'm gonna have a conversation with Dashel. So what are we bad. gonna talk about? <laughs> Loop and Louie. What the hell is that? It's a board game that he likes. Oh, okay, fair enough. I bought him Spyro for Christmas, so hopefully he likes that. I insist on making these kids play video games. I don't give a <laughs> shit. You know what I mean? Well, they have the same thing in there. They play video games. Mm-hmm. I think they're allowed to play video games on the weekend. I think that's a perfectly reasonable rule. No, so it's you get not. To be, it's totally unreasonable. You don't think that's completely good? unreasonable. You never had that, right? None of us had that day. I had that. When? When With did you Atari. have that? With oh, Atari. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So and it was really, in my room. So you're really missing out on a riveting game of combat? <laughs> Frogger. <laughs> Pac-Man on 2600. I would I would beg mom and dad not to let me play Pac-Man. I mean, Dagan, I was six years old blatantly sneaking into your room to watch you play Super Nintendo. Everyone knew that I was happening. I remember that. So, so there fun. were the rules. The jig was up at some point. No one cared anymore. No, you know? no, no I, I didn't have that. I played video games all day. Yeah. Well, you were the fourth kid. I'm sure. Listen, if I had, I know if I had a third kid, it would be like, eh, you know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> whatever. That's cool. No, I'm a little frustrated that the Wozniaks can't play video games during the week. Like, why not? What is the reason mm. that they can't play video games? during? Let's say Declan's done with his homework. Yeah. Declan listens to the show. Declan, let's say you are done with your homework. He does. listen. He listens to it with his dad. Yes. Hey, Derek. What's up, guys? Sorry that I'm questioning your parenting. Let's say that. <laughs> but not really. Let's say that. De- <laughs> I'm really kind of doing it facetiously, but nonetheless, you might not be happy when you see me at Christmas. Oh, you're not going to see me at Christmas, so I don't have to talk oh, to you. There you go. You can say whatever you this want. This won't be up. I'll see you and then it'll, it'll be too late. <laughs> but let's say Declan comes home. He has baseball practice. Maybe he has nothing to do. He gets home at three or four in the afternoon. He does his homework, right? He's done at five. Why can't he play video games? Like, what is the reason? It's can someone tell me the reason? <laughs> I played I video games. Look at me. Look at you now. Well, my, that might be a cautionary well, tale. Yeah, maybe it, be, it, it might be a cautionary. A quarter, yeah, tale. Half, well, half. But there's just yeah, I, I respect the strictness of it, but I don't know how you can grow up in a household where your brothers played video games constantly and found them their way into creative fields and think that that's a bad thing. But 
What do I know about parenting? Yeah, I sometimes parent sometimes parenting is like it's just it's like it's just a thing that you're repeat it's a behavior that you're repeating mindlessly. You know, it's like, well, you're you know, you can't have video games, you can't watch too much TV. It's you're not you're not really exploring the reasoning behind it. It's just a thing. It's been a thing since there was TV. You can't watch too much TV. Why? You know, no one really knows. No, no one really. It's just a thing. It's the same thing about like why you could like why couldn't you stick close to the TV? That was total nonsense. <laughs> Complete nonsense. By the way, it's a very good example. Perfect example. Total nonsense. Totally dispelled. We literally walk around like this with our phones in our fucking faces. I know. But yeah, don't sit close to the TV. But a good thing we didn't sit close to the TV in the 80s. Dig, is there anything left uncovered? We're almost at two hours. I want to make sure we got everything that wow, you want to talk about. Wow, we're running along on this one. Mm-hmm. It's a fun one. I want to talk about, it wouldn't be knockback and it wouldn't be digging without talking a little bit about animation. We have to talk about Christmas specials a little bit. Please, 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 please. We'll touch on that. But I just want to give a shout out to two Christmas memories that are, one's a Helene memory, that I, a story that I think is hilarious. And one is 1983. A year before you were born, Kyle, there was the Cabbage Patch fiasco, which is the first time I ever remember there being a run on something and sort of a mania for a product, especially a toy. And I remember it, it being a tangible thing because I had two little sisters that wanted Cabbage Patch Kids in 1983. And the fall and Christmas of 1983 of parents and adults trying to obtain Cabbage Patch Kids for their children and their nieces and nephews and grandkids was insanity. I remember it. And it's so funny because every woman I know in the family, Aunt Carla, Aunt Joni, mom, the girl, you know, Dana and Allie remember that they all have a memory of it. Aunt Carla was telling me over Thanksgiving that she remembers trying to get cabbage patch kids for Dana and Allie. And it was also a thing too, because kids needed, were getting multiple ones. It was, it wasn't like you just get one cabbage patch kid, like kids had to get, a few, you know, because there was Cabbage Patch Kids and then there was Preemies, which were like the little babies. And then there were animal versions, whatever they were called. Preemies? So Jesus There was Preemies. That was a thing. That was a thing. <laughs> and she remembers like going up to the guy on the truck and being like, can you can you just give me some off the truck? And like the guy was like giving them to her. Really? And, yeah. Wow. And mom, now mom got them because- Carl is bold. Yeah, she had just got lucky. She was she saw the crowds. She saw the guy with the truck. She said, you know, so and so, let me let me you know sort of leverage this that she got. Yeah, yeah, lubricate the wheels of commerce. Absolutely, absolutely. But mom knew. Mom's a good friend of mom growing up, a neighbor of ours in Medford. Her father was the toy manager, toy department manager at Models. Like Models wasn't a sporting goods place back then; it was a department store, and there was a big toy department. And he was the manager of the toy department. So mom was able to get Cabbage Patch Kids when they came in. He would hold them in the back room for her. You know, I think the same thing with Transformers, Star Wars, G.I. Joe, whatever was in demand that we wanted, she would be able to get. But I do remember that being, you know, a huge thing on the news and seeing the crowds of women like fighting. And I remember there was was one image I saw. I don't know if I saw it back then or on YouTube. There was like women like literally like it looked like a concert. And it looked like someone was crowd surfing, but it was actually Cabbage Patch Kids <laughs> running along the top of these this crowd's hands and people grabbing, trying to grab from each other. It was just like bedlam, just like total bedlam. So I wanted to give a shout out to, to, shout out to Cabbage Patch Christmas. I always think about it. There's been run on, run on things since then. I remember Furby, Furby yeah. right and in the 90s. Tickle Me Elmo. Tickle Me Elmo was a big thing in the 90s. But Cabbage Patch was the first thing I remember. You know, that was like a really big thing. And I have to give a shout out to, I think, 
I had to investigate this a little bit. Helene always told me this story that she calls, my wife Helene, she calls E.T. Christmas. Now, E.T. Christmas was this weird Christmas that, you know, my mother-in-law is a really cool woman. Helene has really great parents. They were always very warm and they always gave, you know, Helene has two sisters. She's the middle kid. They were always very good to them on the holidays. There was just for some reason this one off Christmas where her parents were like unprepared and they came down in the morning and it was literally all E.T. merchandise. Every single thing for every single kid was an E.T. product. <laughs> like dozens of E.T. toys, games, shirts, what accessories, whatever. And they call it E.T. Christmas and they always talked about it. And I was like, I have to see when this was. So I went on to eBay. Now, E.T. came out in 83, I think. So it had to be the Christmas of 83 because I think I went on eBay and looked at all the old vintage E.T. products and everything was made in 83. So it had to be the Christmas of 83. So Helene had this one Christmas and this one memory. I think she must have been, she must have been eight, eight years old at the time. So she had this one Christmas where it was like they didn't get anything they asked for. Everything was just E.T. And the funny thing is, they didn't even care about E.T. Like no one, they saw the movie, but like they were just like completely indifferent about E.T. And I don't think my in-laws could really explain it. It's just like the weirdest thing. Like one Maybe they got Christmas. a good deal or something. All E.T. merchandise. I just, I just think that's the funniest thing. That is world. awesome. I mean. That's a great story. Can you imagine having a Christmas like that? It must be so memorable, especially being at that tender young age where you're expecting some cool toys or you make this list and things that you ask for. Yeah, that would be, just, that would be disappointing. So listen. Let me let me shout out some Christmas specials, animated Christmas specials. Please. Such a big part of my childhood. We're going to do a show on Rankin Bass, the animation studio that was responsible for many, many of these shorts that we love. Of course, you have other things like How the Grinch Stole Christmas and Charlie Brown Christmas classics. Wonderful. Some of my favorites. But the Rankin Bass content always stands out as being the most nostalgic especially those stop motion shorts like Rudolph of course Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer but there's a couple that I really specifically want to talk about that are actually a little more obscure and I want to make sure people see them if they could find them so I'll give a shout out to Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer from Rankin and Bass Santa Claus is Coming to Town is another wonderful one that I really like Twas the Night Before Christmas was a, actually a traditionally animated Rankin and Bass, Bass Christmas special from 1974 that I love. But there's one, I want to tell you guys about this. And if you know about it, props, because it's a really weird Christmas short special that was you know made for TV in 1985 by Rankin and Bass. And it was actually, Kyle, it was based on an L. Frank Baum story who wrote The Wizard of Oz. Mm-hmm. It was based on one of his books and it was a stop motion short. Now, the way I came across this was in the 90s, I had just broken into my animation career. And one night, I had fallen asleep, I think watching a DVD. And the DVD ended, and the DVD player, I guess, shut shut itself off. And I woke up, and there was something weird on the TV. And I was like, what? And I was like half asleep. And it was this stop motion thing. And I, you know, I was sort of gaining and gleaning enough information in my half asleep state that it was a Christmas short. And anyway, to make a long story short, it was like a wizard. I remembered like a wizard, like a stop motion wizard, but there was Santa and it was sort of like this fever dream, right? I woke up the next morning. I was like, what the hell was that? Was that a dream? What happened? So I went to work and I was like, it was, I was like a little disturbed by it, right? Was this a real thing? Was I dreaming? What? So there, I worked with a bunch of old timers at the time I worked at Jumbo Pictures right after Doug 
the cartoon Doug, it, we were working on a bunch of stuff for Disney. I think I was working on Disney Stanley at the time. And I worked with a bunch of old timers, guys that were then in their 50s. And I asked them, I said, guys, I will, I, you're going to laugh at me. I saw this thing last night and real animation nerds I worked with, right? These older guys. I saw this thing last night. I described it to them and they're like, no, that's a, that's a real thing. That's called the life and adventures of the life and adventures of Santa Claus. That's a Rankin Bass short. And I was like kind of relieved that I wasn't going crazy. So it's this weird thing. I can only describe it as Lord of the Rings meets Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. It's really weird. It's about this council of immortal gods. Now picture this. It's in the style of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. It's that stop motion sort of animagic, they called it, style. The armatures, the the animated characters, the models are a little more intricate and detailed. And they look a little older. They look a little less cartoony and a little bit more comic booky for lack of a better term. It's about, I wanted to tell you guys about it because you have to check it out. It's friggin' weird with a beard, man. It's friggin' strange. So it's this council of immortal gods that are basically, make a long story short, making a case for Santa Claus to be included in their group. And it's basically about the gods that sort of adopt him, the immortals that sort of adopt him and find him as an orphan. And it's it's St. Nick. It's Kris Kringle. Mm. And what he goes on to do... And how he, you know, goes on to help children and makes toys for them and goes on to grow this empire, for lack of a better word, and helps all these needy kids. And how there's a case for making him one of them, like making him an immortal. It's the frigging weirdest thing ever, dude. And if you if you guys could check it out, it's called The Life and Adventures of Santa Claus, 1985 by Rankin and Bass. Super strange. And the other one I wanted, I was excited to talk about was another one that people don't know a lot about. Came out in 1982. It's an animated special for TV. I think it was done for CBS based on the comic strip, the old comic strip, Ziggy. If you guys are really young, you're not even going to remember Ziggy. Do you know Ziggy? Yeah, I remember Ziggy, yeah. This short is called Ziggy's Gift. I found out about it when I was an adult. I was already working in animation. I was already out of college. It was directed by Richard Williams, who directed The Thief and the Cobbler, and who was the animation director for Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Really wonderful, pioneering animator. And the quality of this short, it's a 20 minute long thing, came out in 1982, such a beautifully animated, has a feature film level of quality to it. Very striking, really gorgeously done. No dialogue in the entire thing. It's 20 minutes of just pantomime and this acted out thing where the whole story is basically Ziggy and his dog, I think his dog's name is Fuzz, take jobs as like street Santas to help raise money for the poor, for the homeless. And how he has, he kind of runs afoul of like some unsavory characters. He kind of runs afoul of some crooked street Santas and thieves and a suspicious policeman that's kind of of a suspicious cop and how he sort of manages, Ziggy sort of through all that still manages to, you know, remain kind and preserves the Christmas spirit and he's kind and honest and the whole thing. Beautiful. Ziggy's gift. So if you're an animation nerd like I am, Ziggy's gift is definitely one to check out. It's it's awesome. And I love that you guys know me. I, I kind of like those obscure things that maybe you don't know about that I could kind of turn you on to. And I'm kind of, I was excited to share that one with you. I think we talked about everything on my list, which is amazing. We did go long, but I don't, I don't have much else. I want to talk about the firehouse Christmas parties, but we could talk about that with dad when we do our conversation because his job and the firehouse and everything sort of plays into a lot of that. So I think that'll fit well with talking about that with him. Plus, I don't remember them that well, especially when I was little, so I want to sort of pick his brain a little bit. Yeah, I have just vague memories of them myself. I was going to ask you. Well, I just remember, like, trying on, you know, sliding down the pole and, like, trying on, like, the helmets and, like, how heavy they were and getting in the 
the truck and you know a lot of funny memories. Yeah, we're gonna. I can't wait to record with Dad. I think That's he's. I think he'll be. Fun. I think he'll be down. And like I said, I'm most excited because he'll be able to finally take some shots at us. I think he's got us. Yeah, he's, he's got to take a lot that of, opportunity. He's got some pent up rage. I think about. We're going to get it because, dude, you were cracking me up about this when we were talking about the Sega versus Nintendo episode, which <laughs> will not have gone live, actually, by that, because I think I'm going to shove them around a little bit. How we thought that dad, dad was listening to that one thinking he was safe. <laughs> I don't even know what Sega is. I can't. I, can't. <laughs> I gotta set, be safe this you time. You just settle on in and listen to a normal episode of the show. No, not this time, dad. Attack. Sorry about that. But, you know, I can't wait to hear. Yeah, dad has so many funny stories about us that I think we'll be able to have a good time with them. So. But that was a fun episode. And by the way, as I said, Dagan, yeah. at the top, we got a bunch of letters. I want to, I, I wrote them all down here, but we, we're just not going to get to them. Some of them are redundant or some of them we didn't get to. But I want to acknowledge people that wrote in. Straw Hat Ninja wrote in to us. Jeremy Brokos, we didn't get to your story. James Kinsler Third, we didn't get to yours. Mikey, we didn't get to yours, unfortunately. Patrick Molloy, our buddy Patrick Molloy, we didn't get to him. Dominic Brandt, David Thomas, Trent Miller, Blair Sutton, Sibzmigu Peter, Ashlyn Lee, wow, Brett Medlock, and John. Oh, Brett, what's uh, up? John Cacciarelli. I know you corrected me on how to say that. Guys, that's a. I'm so grateful for writing it. You know, next Christmas. Yeah, ne- yeah, for next Christmas. Yeah, I'm sorry that we weren't able to get to your questions, comments, concerns, thoughts, and ideas. But I acknowledge you. We're, we've gone so long. I don't want to. We have a few episodes that are two and a half hours long. I think that's kind of pushing it a little it's bit. It's quality, my friend. Well, it's, it's quantity and quality. Well, it's good. Yeah, Listen, both. we got to do our end thing. Yeah, now, yeah. So gonna... we have a new we have a new thing, right? That we new thing. It's a new thing, but an old thing. Oh, we're an old thing, but a new thing. Fair enough. Now we're bringing back the lightning round. Oh, excellent. That's that's exciting. Now, Kyle, you're going to be happy about this. OK, because it's not only the lightning round. It's now the lightning round of doom. Whoa, what is. Oh, so there's a. Oh, you got. So Dagan yeah. is holding up like uh, what is that from? This isn't, this is a, what do you call this? An hourglass? An hourglass, yeah. But it's... Like sands through the hourglass. Right. <laughs> so were the days of our lives. <laughs> Shout out to mom on that one. Yeah, this is an hourglass from a board game. Shout out to mom for showing me the episode of that show when I was a kid of someone getting buried alive, which scarred me for the rest of my life. Anyway, go That's on. That's amazing. What? <laughs> so look up. My, I remember mom just daintily folding laundry and like the and living room she watching totally Days of Our Lives, that, yeah. and this guy gets buried alive on this episode. I was horrified. I'm horrified of that episode still. I don't even know. Anyway, Shout out. mom, you thought you were safe this episode? <laughs> Not at all. Wrong. So listen, I don't know how this is going to work. I think this is a minute timer. Okay. But so what we're going to do with the lightning round? I call it the lightning round of doom or lightning round with doom timer. Okay. Whatever you want to call it. So now it's simply. Just answer the, it's either one or the other. Lightning round apocalypse. <laughs> Lightning round the apocalypse. <laughs> okay. And then if we have time, if I look at the hourglass and we have time, I'll sneak in a couple extra, but we're going to aim for 10. Okay. Com- this is a complete experiment. We could get through three questions. And you said slip. you're going to give me choices or? Yeah, I'm going to say. This or this? I'm going to say blank or blank and you're okay. going to say blank. Okay. That's easy enough. Blank. Let's do it. Okay. You ready? Mm-hmm. Christmas memories. So it's all based on Christmas memories. Here we go. Turn the timer upside down. Here we go. Snow or no snow? Snow. Give or receive? Give. Christmas 2018 or Christmas 1988? 88. Lots of little presents or one big present? One big present. Charlie Brown or Grinch? Grinch. Santa Claus or Mrs. Claus? Mrs. Claus. As long as she's scantily clad. <laughs> Santa elves or Santa's reindeer? Reindeer. The elves are weird. I still think they're <laughs> slaves. Christmas Eve or New Year's Eve? Christmas Eve. Gingerbread house or candy cane? Neither. Gingerbread house. <laughs> Jolly or merry? Merry. We're going to make it. Santa Claus or Jesus? You don't have to answer that one. 
<laughs> Santa Claus. All right, bonus question. Nutty as a fruitcake or fruity as a nut cake? Nutty as a fruitcake. That's correct. Fruitcakes are much more festive. You got it. Dagan. Nice. That's all we, that's all like we have for... You got the paper, I got the pen. Look how tangible this I show know. is. Tactile. Tactile, yeah. A little too tactile, maybe. <laughs> Depending yeah. on how you feel about all of that. <laughs> Some people are really I'm a little crazy about the editing. Like I try to remove as much as I as, I know you do. as possible. Some people don't remove anything. The thing that I was afraid of, you know, I was reading like these various reviews and how people edit their own podcasts and stuff like that. And some people are meticulous and some people just throw things up. We do it with care. Those, Quality. Those pen clicks are staying in. You can all go fuck yourselves. There you go. Whoa, that was a little harsh. Whoa. Whoa. Happy holidays. Happy from holidays. The Moriarty's. From the Moriarty's. <laughs> But nonetheless, I'm going to kind of try to rearrange things as long as I can do it down because I'm going to be with mom when I need to edit this. And I don't know if mom's going to like me trying to work, but I'm going to probably try to get this up. She is not going to like that at all. So we can enjoy this before Christmas. But regardless, Merry Christmas to everyone out there. Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa, whatever you might celebrate or if you don't celebrate anything. You know, I'm an atheist, but I am a Catholic by culture. So I, I consider myself a Christmas celebrator, even though we're celebrating the old pagan celebrations of the winter equinox. <laughs> I hate that course. word. It just sounds too much like Dagan. Oh, Pagan? And didn't didn't mom and dad realize that Dagan sounds like Pagan? I like your name. We're going to throw you under the bus again, mom and dad. Why not? My name's fine. Were you picked on with your oh name? Oh, my God. It was, I grew up in the 70s <laughs> with the name Dagan. It's not like today where kids have unique names. It was like Tom and John and Matt and Dagan. I think it would have been cool to have a name like Dagan. Yeah. I don't. I didn't appreciate it. I wanted, Mom always tells a story, which is true. I wanted to be called Scott. <laughs> <laughs> they weren't changing it but though. now as an adult you have you have a, you have a name that no one no one will have which i and i think it's always fascinating hearing you know it seems like in our family the names are very versatile of the nieces and nephews yeah like very versatile you know Graydon, lilia declan dashel finley and ayla yep great names all great names great names but no i love the different uh names yeah i guess it was it was hard some people made fun of my name too did but they yeah colon you know, oh. Colin, Colin Powell, Colin Powell did a great disservice. I've said this before. They did a great disservice to all Colin. That's right. Because he was Colin. Because he insisted on being called Colin. It's like, what are you talking about? Yeah, that's weird. The most famous Colin in history, the Secretary of State. Uh, you know, I'm sorry. Colin Quinn. <laughs> <laughs> I remember trying so hard to like Colin Quinn when I was a kid. He's like, not likable. Well, it's not, it's, like, it's, it's not funny. He's not know? funny. Actually, he is kind of funny because he's so New York. Yeah, but he had that show in Comedy Central for a long time that was on late at night in like the 90s, or early 2000s. Remote uh, Control. Not Remote Control. No, that's that's even earlier than that's I was when thinking. he came. That yeah, was yeah. his debut, right? But, oh, a different thing. Yeah, there was. Yeah, there was like some. I didn't. Uh, guys, who's going to start talking about Colin Quinn in the Christmas episode? This, look what we give to I you know. guys. This is all free, by the way. This is a gift. If you want podcast. it, to be. it is. It's a gift. And Merry Christmas to you. And Merry Christmas to the Moriarty's. But if you do want to support our show and, and allow us to continue this endeavor, please consider supporting us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Collins Last Stand. You can do so at various levels a month and get special perks, including early ad free access to this show and other shows as well. Dagan, I appreciate you. Oh, oh, <laughs> fuck you, Santa. <laughs> that's right. That's perfect. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's when everyone does it. <laughs> Brilliant writing. I love it. Anyway, we'll see you next time for more Knockback. Thank Dagan, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you guys, too. Appreciate you. Goodbye. Collins Last Stand Knockback is fan-supported over at patreon.com slash Collins Last Stand. The following names are at the producer level or higher on Patreon, 
and I want to thank you from the very bottom of my heart for your incredible kindness and generosity. Morgan Ashley, Sean Battershall, Martin Beck, Fred Bentz, Michael Betts, Eric Bishop, David Blodel, Mark Boggio, Spencer Brand, Lennon Brixey, Matthew Brousseau, Josh Bushing, Austin Bullock, Dylan Burns, Alex Cabrera, Brian Cacciatolo, Will Caldwell, Luis Cancato, William O'Carroll, Matthew Carter, Brian Chan, Travis Chandler, Sean Chandler, Kenneth Char, David Chestnut, Simon Conception Jr., Brad Cooley, Cutter Crow, Nick Cummings, Daniel Diamore, Daniel Delanikos, Travis Depew, Mitchell Durkash, David Ellis, Albert Escobar, Brian Fink, Joe Finelli, Eric Finkenbeiner, Stefano Fontana, Fodios Frangos, Connor Gagian, Alexander Gates, Michael Gates, Salem Ghanem Al Ghanem, Daniel Glassford, Tyler Goodwin, Josh Gravelick, Ryan Greenwood, Miranda Grubba, Andres Guzman, Tyler Harris, Kyle Hagel, Wyatt Henry, Asa Haas, Azan Isa Al Raisi, Josh Yeager, Justin Yeager, Paul Joyce, Greg Julius, Jeremy Key, James Kinslow III, Ryan R. Kitreg, Christian Larson, Jackson Lasiqua, Donald Laws, Joe Lawson, Don Q. Lee, Ashlyn Lee, Anthony Lencioni, Patrick Leslie, Dustin Lewis, Keith Adrian Lewis, Chad Lewis, Mark Liberto, Aaron Litwiller, Lou and Ray Loper, Colin Love, Josh M, Ryan T. Mandel, Peter Mark, Joe McPartland, Wyatt McVeigh, Dennis Meinchen, Andrew Mendoza, Christopher Middling, Albert Miranda, Patrick Malloy, Betty Ann Moriarty, Abe Mukhtar, Brian Nietzsche, Josh Netzel, Adam Nix, George Anthony Nunez, Brian Ott, Jorge Palomino, Todd Paxton, Brendan Peavy, Marius S. Peterson, Enrique Perez, James Perone, Eric A. Peterson, Jason Pettit, Matthew Plaster, Lawrence F. Prokop, Michael Renner, Peter Reynolds, Jonathan Rice, Toby D. Riemenschneider, Austin Riley, Atenogenis Rojas, Petro Rose, A.G. Rowe, John Scholes, Christopher Schaefer, Michael Shanholtz, Toby Schutman, Joshua Smallwood, John Tambanillo, Ahmad Tamar, Ben Thompson, Carl Tolman, Tam Tran, Adam Van Kuren, Oakley Waldron, Justin Wagaman, Mike Wayan, Tyler Woodall, Corey Wyatt, Tony Zuniga, Supershot ST, Ethan, Throw7, Infinite, Beric, Mubarak, Richter86, Dav9834, Titus Rex, Donk2015, Gavin, and Random Guy Radio. The thing about Santa and Jesus is that neither of them are real. <laughs> Merry oh Christmas. <laughs> Merry Christmas from the Moriarty's. <laughs> Hold on. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. <laughs> <laughs> They're very nice.